Hello, my name is Scott Bradley and this is Scott Score Podcast. Today I'm joined by former Falkirk Inverness and Hibs manager John Hughes. We discuss winning promotion to the Premiership with Falkirk, guiding the club to a Scottish Cup final, his disappointing departure, returning to Hibs, winning the Scottish Cup with Inverness, his football regrets and being overlooked by certain clubs in the game, all this and so much more. Yogi is one of the best characters in Scottish football and he tells me some brilliant stories. So strap in folks, because this episode is an absolute cracker. So John, you started your managerial career at Falkirk whilst you were still playing as well. Talk me through how that decision came about and it was a no-brainer for you to accept the job. Well, first and foremost, it was, I was, what, 37? Ian McCall was a manager of Falkirk. Um, we were still at Brockville, if you can remember old Brockville. Remember that old pitch where the goalkeeper could kick it for box to box? Yeah. We were still there. Um, and Ian, we were, we were well in front in the league. Just after halfway during the season, um, Dundee United come in for Ian McCall and he went. He took the job at Dundee United. So I was still playing centre-half. Owen Coyle was still playing centre-forward. We were the two senior boys in the, in the team, so the the board just says, we'll use to just keep doing it, business as usual. Hmm. He says, I will do that. We only made one decision, is we brought in Brian Rice, Chipper, because Owen worked with him at Airdrie, and, and I knew Chipper for my Falkirk day, so we brought in Chipper to look after the coaching, because we were still training, to help us look after the coaching and look after the bench on a Saturday. And then we, we just kept getting on with it. The team actually picked itself. It's, it's stranger when you're winning that you don't pick up many injuries and everybody wants to play. So I think it was about a 15-man squad. The team never changed much. And we won the league by a canter. Yeah. We, we, oh, you go, sorry. No, we won the league by a canter. And then at the end of that season, in the close season, Owen went up to Dundee United for next season with Ian McCall. So they basically say, I, do, I didn't know if I was getting a job, but I was always wanting to go into coaching and into management. I'd done my B badge at the age of 20, 25, 26. A few of the boys at Falkirk went, didn't you do it? I went, didn't you do my B badge? I was always a sort of captain in the club. Mm-hmm. Always had that, the sort of leadership qualities. You know, in Casey, you know, go first, I'll go first. Uh, let's get stuck in, all that stuff. Um and then I got it, you know, I think there was a few in for it, but I got the job. And then, but don't forget, when I got the job, you're thinking you're going into the SPL. That wasn't the case because of the criteria of the stadium. Hmm. We, were, we had just sold Brockville. Uh, so to go into the SPL, we were going to have to ground share. Uh, and the club found it very difficult to get a venue to go, go and ground share. So we got denied our position in uh, in uh, SPL and we ended up playing back in the uh, championship and we played at Stenhouse Moor we kept we kept it in the community mm-hmm. so that was my first real no offices no stadium porter cabins jumpers for goalposts and then you're thinking you're getting a job and you're going up into the Premier League and you've got a good enough budget to and don't forget I've played with these guys for two or three years yeah. So as soon as we're still in the championship, the budget's no there. I've got a decision to make. I have to let one or two of these guys that I've played with, have to let one or two of them go, just because of the budget and the finances. 
mm-hmm. and that was very, very difficult. Uh, and as I say, it was jumpers for goalposts. We were all over the place uh, because your new stadium was just getting starting to get built. So that full year I was in, in the championship, I think we finished fourth that full year at Stenhouse Muir. The next again year, we moved into the new stadium. Mm. And we had basically won it by Christmas. I think it was I think it was a record achievement of points. It would be there or thereabouts. Uh, and we still I'm sh- we still didn't meet the criteria come Christmas time. And there's a boy there that's got a few quid, Sandy Alexander. Uh, for Kirk, he says, what I'll do, I'll make sure I'll build a stand at the back of the goal and make sure that, you know, once we win it, we're going into the SPL. And that was it. And then into the SPL up against the big boys. Absolutely fantastic. Loved it. Yeah. And then obviously in 2005, as you were saying there, John, you won the league and the Challenge Cup. How would you look back on that season? That was it. It was something happened. Every, every time at my time at Falkirk, I was just thinking the other day there, I always remember you go to all these management meetings and all that stuff and you get all your guest speakers and, and you get a chance to speak to them. And Sir Alex Ferguson uh, was there once and he just picked, I just picked up someone. Always get strikers in your team. Always get strikers on your bench. And it was just something that stuck with me, you know. Um, and I'd got lucky as well because um, Russell Atape, I played with Russell at Hibs. Russell then fell out with Alec McLeish went to Rangers. Alec McLeish, the next again year, left Hibs, went to Rangers. Russell moved on to Dundee United. Funny enough, we Ian McCall and couldn't, couldn't settle. So I knew he was available. He was still in Glasgow. So that was really my first sort of signing. I said, come and play, me, play for me for a couple of seasons. He ended up playing five or six seasons and he was a catalyst for everything at the Dunscott. He was, he was getting better by age. Uh, Russell's probably and I've played with a lot a lot of great players Russell's probably technically the best footballer I've ever played with left and right foot now everybody says well if he was that good how did he know have the career right at the top where you're talking about everybody forgets Russell played for Porto against that great Sampdoria team remember Barcelona beat him in the final yeah. the straight. Russell played in the semi-final one. Emerson was the other midfielder so he had his time at Porto and all that, but Russell, Trinidad, Tobago, you know, Caribbean lifestyle, loved a fag, loved a couple of beers and all that stuff. You just know, I just knew him, I just know how to get the best out of him. One thing I'll say with him, technically unbelievable and the best trainer, one of the best hard-working trainers I've ever come across when the ball's out. See, when the ball's out, doesn't want to go in. If it's head tennis before you go out, you'll play all day. If it's seven aside, possessions, box rows, rondo, rondos, he'll play all day. If the first team training's finished and the kids are still playing, they want to join in that. He just loves the ball. And he was a catalyst because what we've done at Falkirk as well was uh, we built up a right good academy and we try to promote other young kids into the first team very quick and basically flung them in the deep end and you know, they were training and playing against Russell and you used him as a yardstick. If you can handle Russell, you know, nothing to worry about. And and, uh, and you just seen them, you know, uh, maturing as the weeks and months went by. But that season was very, very good. It was really good. 
And going back to that thing with Alex Ferguson, my strikers at that time, I got Daryl Duffy from Rangers and I got Andy Thompson from Partick Thistle. And you don't know really what you're going to get. You're building a team. And I can remember we we done our pre-season and we went down um, to the North East and we played a couple of friendly, friendly matches. And the first one we played after 10, 15 minutes, I just looked at Chipper because Chipper was now the assistant manager. And the two of us just looked at each other and went, wow. The, the movement of Andy Thompson and Daryl Duffy with a tappy behind them pulling the strings was unbelievable. Andy Thompson was probably the best finisher that I've worked with outside Owen Coyle. He was a machine. Used to tell you, it was, it was very, very similar to Owen Coyle. Absolutely, his movement was second to none. It was like, it was like music to Russell's ears. You know, we just get it, suck them in, you know, play through the lines, get it into the tappy in that wee pocket. And he's doing all these weird, no, their movements, you know, they're like the red arrows and Russell saying, yeah, go and put that in the back of the net. And that was it. And that that's when we knew, we went, oh, we're onto something here. And as I say, we had basically had it tied up for Christmas. And then taking the team into the SPL, we had no fear um, going in there. And in my time at Falkirk, if I tell you my strikers, I started off with Darrell Duffy, Andy Thompson. I moved on to Anthony Stokes, Alan Gill, John Stewart, that used to play up at Aberdeen, Pedro Martino, Michael Higdon, um, Michael Higdon, Stevie Lovell, Carol Finnegan. So there was abundance of strikers that I had at my what, five, six years at Falkirk, a bundle, uh, abundance, and all of them know where the back of the net was. Uh, and all backed up with Russell Latapi, because Russell played for about four or five years. And it's quite ironic that he was a catalyst for everything that we did. And he was, you, you'd be doing team talks. And the players accepted them. There was a couple of stories when we were doing, you'd be doing team talks and you were saying, right, you would, your attention, Russell, at half time, and all the boys would just be laughing. He'd be in the toilet having a cigarette. And you sort of say to yourself, he would, he would be man in the match. He would run the show. He was absolutely brilliant. And then, as I say, it was quite ironic because when Russell left, that's where we probably got to the pinnacle and reaching the Scottish Cup final. But we then we went down a we went down a different path. We went with more experienced senior players. We had guys like Lee Bullen, Stephen Presley, Neil McCann, Jackie McNamara, all these guys, and then the young guys were ready. And in that cup final, that was my last game. In that cup final, so it was SPL status for the all my time I was there. We kept them in the SPL. Uh, and that was my last game in that Scottish Cup final. And in that Scottish Cup final, we had Darren Barr come through the academy. He was a captain of the team. Arfield played. He, he come through the academy. He was a captain that day. Arfield played. Tom Scobie played. And there were three other ones on the bench. Jamie Barclay, Chrissy Mitchell and Mark Stewart. All these guys were in the Scotland 21s. That's what we were doing at Falkirk. That was uh, the, the steps, the massive steps we were taking. Mm. And I always used to get a phone call for Jim Fleeton after the 21s 
saying if every one of the boys at the 21s were like your guys, you see, we would be all right because they were brought up in a way, you make sure you're first out, you make sure you're putting the kit out, you make sure you're putting the cones out, you make sure your laughter's last off the training pitch, you make sure you're helping the kit man putting everything away. And that was the way they were brought up. Um, that was the values that we had at the club. So fantastic time, real time. And then join, and don't forget, we, we getting into the Scottish Cup final, that took the club into Europe as well for the first time in its history. You know, mm. a remarkable achievement. And we got a two League Cup semi-finals where we beat Celtic. The year before, Martin O'Neill was there, Celtic. I went to Park Keaton, Celtic took us for eight. And I went, oh, but even in defeat, you're saying, right, he'll not do me, that'll not do me, that'll not do me. So the next again year we went, I think it was Gordon Strachan. Did Gordon take over for Martin? I think he did. Uh, he did, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And we drew 1-1 after 90 minutes and beat him on penalties in the League Cup. Put us into the semi-final of the League Cup. Kilmarnock beat us at, at Fort Park at Murrowell. Kilmarnock beat us in the semi-final. And that's the year Hibs won it. Mm. So it was two. It was all success in Europe as all the kids... And it was just great to be to put smiles on so many people's faces. The place was jumping. It was a real hub. We, were, we moved into that new stadium we were playing. And right through it all, Scott, I'll say this. My philosophy is total football. It has to be total football. You know, and any player I sign has to be very comfortable on the ball. And if you look at the players that I sign, you know, and the ones that we coach and the ones that we... Um, went on and had a right good career like Arfield and Scobies they can all manipulate the, the ball no matter what position you play that, that's irrelevant that's a Saturday mm. you get put in positions you're a footballer you should yeah. be able to do what you do and seeing some of the stuff that the things that Latapi done and these young boys you know even you know seven aside they would all get put in a young in the young team and they would get battered every week and the wind up started just getting beat again and you could just see them growing, man, up to it. And so much so that, you know, guy they went and like probably Arfield and Darren Barr went on to win a Scottish Cup medal score with Hearts. But Arfield, you know, some of them had a right good career. So you take a bit of pride in that. Great days. Loved, loved absolutely loved Falkirk. Loved with his style of football. And I can remember another one. We played Ajax come over. And Ajax, we, we were in at Stirling University. That's where our training base was. And we had it immaculate. And Ajax were training in there. Ajax were playing Rangers on the Wednesday and us on the Saturday. I think they drew 1-1 one, one with Rangers on the Wednesday. It was, it was a draw. And they come to us on a Saturday. We beat them 2-1, but we footballed them. We footballed them and... The manager at the time was Frank Reichardt's assistant manager at Barcelona. Is it Hank Tenkan? Hank Tenkan? It was a man. It was a man. I think I might have got Hank Tenkan. It was a Tenkan. Similar. It was a Dutch boy, but it was a manager. He was assistant manager at Barcelona with Frank Reichardt, and he was a manager Ajax. And he was very complimentary after the game. He went. He actually says to the press, this is not your typical Scottish football. He says, I've heard about Falkirk, how you play football. And you're talking about full, full Buna. They, they had the full wacky. I know it's only a friendly, but they had Snyder, a lot of them. They were all playing. 
Yeah. And we, we gave as good as we got and beating them two one in terms of our ball retention. Uh, and that, that that was the best part. Right? There was many a time I would come in, we got beat, and the misses would go, oh, here we go. I said, oh, no, don't worry. I said, my team are brilliant today. The team are brilliant because all the stuff we done on the training pitch and all the work we put on the training pitch, we were very switched on to make sure that don't forget, and that's what we do all that during the week. So we take it on the pitch on a Saturday, and that's a hard thing to have under pressure to get on the ball and make the passes and play one and two touch quick passing and suck teams into you so you can play through the lines. And but when you've got a guy like Natapi, instantly you know he's getting picked up. I actually used to say to Russell, Russell, where do you want to play today? Let's just see this. Russell was that clever. He would say, I'll play left wing. Never a left winger, right? The game would be gone for five minutes. We'd get the ball, go to the, go to the fullback. Get the ball again, 10 minutes, go to the fullback. And they just go, ah, just give you the whistle. It would come for left wing, go right in the midfield. Nobody could pick him up because they're saying, who's... Well, it's the right back that's playing against them. But he's not going to... Because Russell was clever enough to go into areas and spaces where he wouldn't get picked up. And if we go into him... It was never coming back on himself. It was only half turning away. Right? And if he wasn't slotting the passes in, he was doing the jinking and scoring goals. So absolutely brilliant. Absolutely great days. Great success. I was looking at that. Kept him in the SPL uh, five years. All the kids in the 21 Scottish Cup final, two League Cups, semi-finals. Great football. Got them into Europe for the first time and only time in their history. Um, the only thing we never done actually is we never sold a player mm. oh really we never, we, that's the only thing we never done and two months after I left they sold our field down to Huddersfield for I think it was about 300 grand mm. that was that was the only thing we never done we were always trying to do that right our next step is to produce a young player and sell them and and all that stuff, but we were into everything. If you look at our recruitment at Falkirk, I had Casper Schmeichel, my goalkeeper. That's right, yeah. <laughs> I Kasper, yeah, one player as well. <laughs> so, see if you look at that now, no disrespect, but we're Falkirk, you know, I always look for the results and I think they're on the way up. But if you see an English Premiership winner used to play for Falkirk, you'd say, oh, yeah, that'll be right. No, I'm telling you, it was Casper Schmeichel. And after that, it was Tim Crew. Then after that, we had a great relationship with Arsenal in terms of Liam Brady and getting all the uh, Arsenal boys up. Scott, no, because we uh, we were uh, we never had any money. We were big, Boris steel, never worked to a budget, always worked under budget. Um, and we were never always down self looking at players, always. They always knew we were there. We were always phoning up, asking for tickets. That's Falkirk down the game. We were never away from Man United. And yet, we sort of knocked it off with, uh, with Arsenal. And what happened was, we got the wee boy Patrick Craig at first, just a wee ball-playing midfielder. Absolutely fantastic. Never gave the ball away. Technique, brilliant. You could see he was well educated at Arsenal. His best mate, his sidekick, the, the coming of, was a boy called Stephen O'Donnell. The two of them were over in Ireland uh, managing and coaching in our... Mm. I'm not too sure what team it is. Mm. It might be Dundalk, the two of them. But the two of them were like a tag team. Mm. 
Yeah. They were like a tag team. So O'Donnell come and you could say, wow, a lefty. You go, wow, what a footballer this boy is. What a footballer. And could go and leave a wee bit in, but really good football. So they two come. Liam Brady come to that game, one all against Celtic and seen us the way we passed the ball. And he said, I spoke to him after it. He says, listen, give me a call. I might have one or two other ones for you. Then we got Bradley. Then we got Stokesy. Then we got Graham Barrett. Graham Barrett was probably the best out of them all, believe it or not. Hmm. But he had a he had a knee injury where his kneecap got knocked out. And they had to get it re put back into place and it was never quite right. So he was always had that injury, but and then Stokesy, what Stokesy done? Stokesy scored was it four hat tricks back to back? It was it was on a hat trick of hat tricks. And we were playing Dunfermline. I'll keep laughing at this because Roy Keane turned up late for the bus at Sunderland and Roy Keane rightly so left him. Yeah. I was in Sunderland. He was on great scoring for him. We were playing Dunfermline in a derby match and he was 10 minutes late for the bus. And Chipper looked at me and said, what do you think? I said, no, wait on him. Another five minutes. And then we got him on the phone. I was just running late. He gets on the bus. Usually you see a manager would go and say, listen, for that you're on the bench or that. I just sat next to him. I said, listen, Stokesy, I said, just, for, just relax, you're playing. I said, just take a deep breath, you're playing. And no, it would bother Stokesy. Half an hour into the Dunfermline match, hat trick. That's honest truth, another hat trick. I think it was four on a spin that he scored. Hat trick, 5 0, we beat him, game over. It was unbelievable. Left foot, right foot, just a, just a striker. And once again, he was in amongst his mates. With Craig and O'Donnell and all that, and and, and all look, uh, looked after him, uh, and I had him as a young boy. You know, he was only eighteen. He was unbelievable goal scorer. Once again, we were like happy backing him up. Uh, so much so, uh, Roy, uh, Roy, come in and took him down to Sunderland. Yeah. So I think, but Sunderland paid money for him, but the money never came to Falkirk. The money went to Arsenal and we were, we were just delighted that we had the chance to get to him. Uh, and that was it. So it was absolutely brilliant at Falkirk. Really, really enjoy it. We'd we done a lot, a lot of good stuff at that football club, a lot of good stuff. And I think it's what I've just talked about. I think it stands for itself. You know, if you look back at it, you know, the recruitment and the young players in the Scotland uh, set up, a uh, Scottish Cup final, you know, all the stuff that we've done, semi-finals. But most important, the style of football we played. We played, we really popped it. The only team that we couldn't beat was Jimmy Calder with Aberdeen. And he used to laugh because we used to pop them off the pitch. He couldn't get near us, but we couldn't beat them. And he just used to, he just used to put your hands up and just say, ah, well, that, that's it. That, that's the way it goes. So, you know, it was great days. Even now, I keep in touch with a lot, a lot of the boys at Falkirk. Still keep in touch with them. How you doing? All that stuff. I was just talking to Liam Craig the other day there because Liam come. We signed Liam for Ipswich. Mm. And he played a massive part as well. And, I, you know, I was on the phone to him the other week there saying, you know, just wishing them all the best in at Queen's Park and all that stuff. And it was a real good environment, if you had seen our training facilities, it was second to none, because we went into the sports facility at Stirling University. Mm -hmm. We had the, 
we we were doing that little curse when we lost uh, Craig Gillins that got electrocuted. Uh, so Nanias wanted to go back doing a little curse. So we were basically back to jumpers for goalposts. And then we got lucky we got into Stirling University, a sports facility. Um, and even now, if you look at Arfield's number, Arfield's number is 37. Mm, yeah. When he for Rangers, that was that was Craig Gillen's number. Yeah. And that was that was the environment that we created with all these young kids. So it was one of these just a tragedy that day. Uh, something that still sort of haunts you now. Mm-hmm. But you use it as a fuel, you know, to go and try and get success. And you know, you always mention him, keep his legacy going as well. I think he would have been a real good top class footballer. Uh Maybe no, because he was too bright. He was a real intellectual. Mm. Uh, and then, but there you go, and that was it. So, absolutely. So, we moved into Stirling University. You ought to have seen it. We, as soon as we went in there, we were like kids in the sweet shop because of a sports facility. Yeah. We were into sports science, we were into strength conditioning, we were morning, afternoon. So much so that all the UFO pro license, you know, the coaches that's going on a pro license, they would come in and watch our strength and conditioning programme, all designed for explosive power. Mm. You know, explosive power. And you could see guys like Darren Barr. Darren Barr's probably under six foot, playing centre-half, but the leap he had on him, boom. And it was all for the squatting and the pylometrics and all the training. And it was absolutely brilliant, honestly. And you're talking about top-class top facilities, even our surfaces that we trained on, that was... Really enjoyable. It was it was a hard time. And the only thing the only thing I regret and I probably still hold this grudge to this day is when I was leaving. Mm. The uh, what happened, we were do, we were doing great and then all of a sudden uh, there was a miscalculation in terms of what was in the bank, uh, in terms of finance. So everything started getting cut and as usual. It's the football side that gets cut first and all that stuff. So all my stuff's getting cut, all my masseurs and uh, psychologists, because we were into everything and players working, all that was getting cut. You're saying, right, okay. So I'm looking at uh, Chipper, Chipper looking at me and saying, we probably took it as far as we as we can. Mm. Didn't want to leave, but we got a sneaky feeling that they wanted us off the wage, but we still had another year to go. And we worked tirelessly, ever so hard to get our wages up as the years went by, just through success. Never never worked out the budget, never spent any money, uh, anything like that. In fact, listen to this. In my 21 years I've been in football, I've spent 250 grand. Seriously? 250 grand and brought in about anywhere between 7 and 8 million. 250 grand on four players. One of them was Alan Gill in a tribunal, 50 grand from Airdrie. And we could have sold them to Rangers and Gills would say, no, I'll stay. Because then he's not going to wait at Rangers at the end of the season. 40 grand was on John Stewart. We signed him from Aberdeen. 25 grand was on, no, was it 40 grand? 20 grand was on Dean Holden that we signed from Peterborough. We went down to see him. He played left-back that day and right-back the same day. I said, that'll do me, Dean Holden. And then that was all for Falkirk. And the other 100, when I went to Hibs, 
we got Stokesy from Sunderland, and I think it was 130 grand. So what Rod Petrie says, four players have signed. Mm. You just need to go and get them. They beg, Bory steel, know where your loan market is, know what you get. It's the exact same with Casper Schmeichel. We were doing there, we were doing there watching Man City. We controlled our budget. And once it was gone, it was gone. You know, it was a case of maybe one out, two out, one in, all that stuff. Never had last 10 minutes. Uh, and everybody's gone home. Chipper says, come on, let's go. I says, no, no. I says, we're staying. I says, how? I says, you know Stuart Pierce for Notts Forest. He went, aye. She's like, as soon as the game finished, everybody's away, chipper in the dressing room. Oh, how are you doing, Brian? Aye, Stuart, listen. We're up for the goalkeeper. He says, I'll put it to him in the morning. He says, I'll let you know first thing. He says, listen, we've no money. We've only got about 800 quid. To be fair, Stuart Pierce went, irrelevant. As long as he plays. So he's like, we seen him that night. He was outstanding. Honestly, he was outstanding. Got a phone call next again morning. He says he'll be up in the afternoon. He was up in the afternoon, trained the next again day, and never, never looked back, just took the place we saw him. It was the way he conducted himself and the way he trained and didn't want to come off the training pitch. Even now, when I see him in goals and his team, the opposition gets awarded a penalty. I will ask Casper will say that because he used to do it in training constantly. Mm-hmm. And it was just uh, it was all that stuff. So coming towards the end. We felt they watered, watered us off the wage bill and all that stuff. And then we felt we maybe have took it as far as we can. And then we got a whisper at Hibs. I've got a chance of going at Hibs and I'm saying, no, oh, that could be a good one. That could be a good one for us. There was one or two other clubs that were sniffing about, but we sort of said, right, OK, Hibs. And my disappointment was I went in to see George Craig and George Craig says, right, no bother. He says, we, we, need, we, need, to, we need to get his off the wage ball and all that stuff. I says, fine. He says, there's no fee. As soon as we walked out the door and uh, met up with Rod Petrie, Rod Petrie says, no, they're looking for money for you and Brian. I said, well, that's really disappointing for all the work that we put in. And then the next phone call that we got, don't forget that, that was the end of that season. So you're talking about Scottish Cup final. You're talking about into Europe. And you're talking about we, the week before we stayed in the SPL, we beat in Inverness, up at Inverness. So you're talking about Scottish Cup final bonus, European bonus, SPL staying in the SPL bonus. And for all the hard work that me and Brian put in, initially he says go for nothing, then they're asking for a fee. And this is what what's always left a, a real sore uh, taste in my mouth, was give up all your bonuses and we'll let you go. And I just felt like, nah, for everything that we've done as a player as well, player manager. And I just went, that's no right, that that is certainly no right. And I just said, that's says to Chipper, I said, we're, we're staying at Falkirk, we're going back. And I think Rod sort of stepped in and I think there was a small fee. And that sort of, I just went, nah, nah, that's, that's not on. Can you know what I mean? Someone that, that, it's a matter of values, it's not about the money, it's about the values. Listen, if he says, keep your keep your bonuses and we've got to put them into the community kids or to, to a charity, right? Okay, fine. But and I just went, nah, nah. So that was it and that was, that was just a wee bit sour grapes mm-hmm. uh, in my mouth. And there was another thing that we were playing Kilmarnock, because that last year we were there, we were, it was a hard year. We were playing Kilmarnock down at Kilmarnock and that's when we had Neil McCann, Jackie McNamara, Lee Bullen, Big Elvis, all these guys, real experienced dressing room. They were good boys, they trained hard, they knew how to run it. 
And I just went, I think we were getting beat or we were drawn. And I just went, I said, listen, boys, you know, we train hard, everything we've done in the training pitch, just go and implement it. That's why we train. It's know what happens on the day, go and implement it. You know what, you don't need me to tell you what to do. You know what I mean? And I said, God, sort it out for yourself. And I said, come on, Chipper, leave him. You know, just a wee different bit of... Me, the mistake me and Chipper made is we come back out and we come back out and sat in the dugout. So some of the fans must have seen us sitting in the dugout. So they wrote a letter in to the board of directors saying that they wanted us sacked. Mind, this is for all, all the success that we've had. Don't forget, that was about... Well, half a dozen games later, we stayed in the Premier League, we get into Europe and we're in the Scottish Cup final. That's what you're dealing with, football. If you look at Michael Beale, 12 games, you know, football, it's crazy. But the thing about it, the three guys that wrote the letter and signed it, the three of them were on the board as supporters' um, nomination. Yeah. So when I'm going in to see that, and then it got leaked to the paper. So all that was part of us leaving, and I'm saying, there's someone no right here, Chipper. There's someone no right here. And obviously you're saying, and it was obviously. So, and then I sort of saying to the board, are you going to do something? No, 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 no. And I'm saying, that's there's, you know, and, that, and even now to this day, and I'll put my hand up my mouth when I go back to Falkirk, if I see any of these guys, then I, you know for me. Why, why forgive and forget? You know, yeah. you know, for me, you, we, we gave, as a player, I gave it everything. As a manager, as a coach, I gave it everything. Um, you know, what we gave them, as we've just talked about, and right towards the end of it, they feel that they want to do that and the board didn't take any action. I was looking for them to get put off the board. But not somehow they, that got to the newspaper as well and you're saying to yourself, oh, oh there's someone no right here. Mm. And then, anyway, and that was just a couple of things right at the end that gives you a, 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 a sour, a sour taste in your mouth. But it's, it's neither here nor there. It's still a great club that I love so much. So in my playing career at Falkirk, it was the best dressing room I was in. It was absolutely. And if you look at, you probably look at what I've talked about in terms of recruitment. That's something that we got for Jim Jeffries and Billy Brown because every day after Tuesday, they would be in the car away down south. And if you look at Jim's recruitment, you're talking about guys like Kevin McAllister, Wee Crunchy. Wee Crunchy was in Chelsea's first team when he signed for Falkirk. Joe McLaughlin was the captain of Chelsea, although he had left and was at Watford at the time. He'd signed for Falkirk. You're talking about... Tommy McQueen, Davy Weir, Morris Johnston, Simon Stainrod. And you just go, wow. Tommy McQueen was at uh, West Ham. Simon Stainrod, QPR, was going to sign for Barcelona under Terry Venables because he had them at QPR. And yeah. Jim, so you're saying, wow, some of the recruitment that Jim and Billy brought in. And one or two didn't work. That's another thing I, I noticed. One or two didn't work. And if they didn't work, they didn't last long. Mm. If they're the wrong type, wrong character, see you later. But that dressing room and the boys I played in there with at Brockville for five or six years, it was absolutely brilliant. And one of my best mates in football, probably my best mate, a boy called Neil Oliver. I first played with him at Berwick Rangers under Jim Jeffries. He's a Berwick boy. He got sold to Blackburn from Berwick Rangers and I went to Swansea. 
and then a year later, Jim got the Falkirk job and brought the tours to Falkirk. And it just, just shows you how it works. So, uh, and he, we're all in the same car and all that stuff. Morris Johnston. Morris, what a boy. What a trainer. Morris. These guys, everybody's maybe got that wee bit, you know, relation or links, maybe a baby or a night out or anything like that. I've noticed like Latape, these guys, what a trainer. Morris was non-stop. Same as Latape, non-stop. Unbelievable. And it was just a privilege to be in that dressing room and playing them. I'm just Davy Weir, John Clark, Big Clark, remember when Clark is called? Big, Big Clark was the best ball striker I've ever played with. No backlift, and he could hit that 60 yards in. Three kicks, and unbelievable. Funny, funny big boy. And too, too, too many, and too many to mention. I hope I've no. For- and don't forget when I first went in there as well as a player. You're talking about guys like Sammy McGovern, Peter Harrison, Crawford, Batty, Gordon Marshall, when gold, so much, and all that stuff. So absolutely brilliant. But that was my Falkirk time, and then Falkirk, and then off we went to Hibs. Yeah, and uh, I was going to ask you, John, what was it like going back to Hibs? Obviously, you've got, um, you're well-respected at Hibs. Uh, a lot of Hibs fans regard you as a Hibs legend. What was it like going back to Hibs? Well, I knew, first and foremost, I knew what I was going into. I knew I was going into working with a right-heart uh, chairman. If you look at Rod's pedigree over the years, you know, so many managers have only had the one year there, including Mick Sue, John Collins, Frank, the legend Frank Sosie, 69 days. You know what I mean? Terry Butcher. Uh, so I knew what I was going into. I was, I was uh, taken over from Mixu. Uh, but I knew what I was going into. We were playing them, you know, four times a season and gaining them always, you know, uh, gaining them games. Even uh, when uh, Tony Mowbray was there, we were always, they were always game on. And that's what I'm saying. I think Hibs at that time had Bruni and Tomo. I had the two nutcases and um, Patrick Craig and Stephen O'Donnell. And when I say, I'm, I'm only having a bit of banter when I say nutcases, they were absolute diamonds, but just their character. The character, that kind of nutcase character that you want to be very close to because it's non-stop banter. Ken the Irish, and they're having a go at each other and, have a, and tell stories about their cell. It makes you laugh. You can just say, oh, this guy, imagine. And that's what... And they two, every time we played Tibbs, they two, they two used to fight. I'm wanting Brun. I'm wanting Bruni. I'm wanting Bruni. Not you, Dave Thompson. And the two of them, they two, they referred to Bruni and Tomo. They two got stuck in as well. And the two of them just, they all just went for it. Oh, on you go. And then that just let us play around about it and all that stuff. But it was brilliant. But going back to Tibbs, I knew what I was going into. Uh, as I say, uh, we mix you and John. I knew what I was going into. It's a hard club to uh, to manage. It's never. It was never Rod's fault. That's why he went through so many managers. You know, uh, as soon as the results gone, uh, I had to go in there. I had to sort of uh, sign a few players. Uh, I got very lucky in terms of Benjamin and Samama. They were out on loan. They were due to come back right up my street. Technical footballers can look after the ball. Well, give me them all day. Give me them back. Uh, Rod used to say, you sure? I give me them. They'll do me. Got them back. I signed, uh, probably one of my best signings ever. I signed Liam Muller. God rest him. And what happened with Liam? Liam was uh, Graham Barrett's best mate. And I had Graham Barrett at Falkirk. 
and Liam used to come uh, and meet Graham uh, sometimes uh, for a coffee and we would be in and I got to know him and all that and all he wanted to do was play football. That's all, I think he made his money, all his wife was from Edinburgh and all he wanted to do was play football and he was, at Hibs, he was non-stop. You know the yo-yo test, he could run it right off the clock, still gone, last man gone, first to always out half an hour before everybody else is out, pinging balls, getting warmed up, set a standard, right good footballer. Uh, we got Stokesy back, I got the best out of Derek Riordan, absolutely right up my street, Derek, I loved him, I loved him. You know, one of them had come with that reputation, had to, not a, not a problem with Derek, not a problem. Every now and then, a Monday, you would say, Derek, watch what you're doing, Derek, you know. And then, oh, what a talented footballer. I used to say to him, I used to say to Derek, Derek, see if I see you running 30 yards and slight tackle and coming away with the ball, I say, I'll give you Monday off, you know, just to get him going and all that. But some of the goals and the big Nishi up front, Samama, Benji, uh, Muller, and then I signed Craig, from Falkirk, and I signed a boy called Kevin McBride. He used to be at Munnerwell, but he was a kid at Celtic when I was coming through. This guy, this guy, this guy was like Xavi Alonso. Never gave the ball away. Couldn't he, couldn't he run, but fittest at the club. Came one of these guys. Any running session, he would be up the front, but just keys it. There you go, there you go. Nutmeg specialist, dive in, nuts, come back at them, nuts there. Just keep it simple. Take it anywhere. Take it in a phone box. And we sort of build the team around that. Big Bamba, Big Soul was at the back. But then when I first went in, I'll tell you what happened in terms of you're just in the door. Well, I wasn't even in the door. I was I got the job and I was on holiday in America. Gordon Marshall, I told you was my I played with Falkirk, but it was my travelling companion doing the Parkhead. Mm. Uh, I was sitting in America on the phone, and that was Rod saying, listen, I've just uh, relieved uh, Gordon his duties. I said, why? What, why are you doing that? That's my mate. That's my go. No, no, I, I just want, want to go a different route. And I'm saying, oh, Rod, that's the manager's decision. That's no your decision. Oh, I just felt that... Uh, and they've done that when I'm on holiday. I haven't even had a, one step in the building. That was the first week of holiday. And the next week of holiday, I got a phone call for Coyle. Owen Coyle, who was the manager of Burnley, saying, just give your heads up, I'm signing Fletcher. I says, you're joking. He says, no. He says, you didn't know, do you? I says, no. He says, the deal's been done a couple of days ago. He says, I'm signing Fletcher for three million. I went, oh, I wonder if I'll get a bit of that. And I haven't even hardly in the door. So when I come back, that was done as well. And then... Um, the season's just about to start, and big Rob Jones. Uh, we sold him, I think we sold him down, it might have been Doncaster, we sold him down the road. So you're seeing another one, you're sort of hanging your hat on. You're saying, wow. So it was a real hard start, but we got off to a flyer. They, they guys up front, in terms of Stokes and Nishi and Ryerton, I think that season they scored 52 goals between them. Mm-hmm. Ryerton got 18, Stokes got 22, Nishi got... 12, something like that. The next again year, Hibs as a team never scored 52 goals. So it just shows you. And everybody, I can remember starting off and we were flying, playing good football and there was still a lot of work to do. And I was getting interviews and saying, do you think you'll split the old firm? And I'm going, oh, here we go. Because expectations are the most damaging thing in football. 
And I've always been taught uh, to keep your head below the parapet and keep humble. Uh, let your football do the talk. And I'm saying, oh, here we go, here we go. Uh, and then we just sort of just hit the buffers. And we hit the buffers. Do you want to know when we hit the buffers? Mm. We hit the buffers a little bit. We got knocked out the Scottish Cup on a replay quarter. I think it might have been the quarter final for Ross Cup. We should have beat them. But then what happened was the renovation started. So when you come out for the main stand at Easter Road, the whole stand, there was no stand there. So the atmosphere was gone and the pitch went, honestly, so much so the pitch went, Derek sees someone, Derek Riordan sees someone in a newspaper article about the pitch. I come in on the Monday morning and Rod's sitting there with the newspapers Mm. saying I've got to find him two weeks' wages. I said, whoa, 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 hold it one minute, Rod. I said, you can't do that. No, 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 you can't. He said, listen, Rod, let me get to Derek. I had a great relationship with Derek. Let me get to Derek. I totally understand. I'll make him understand. I'll make him apologise to the groomsmen. I'll make him understand that it's not a groomsman. It's because he, for some unknown reason, once that stand went, it was a whole lot went, no atmosphere, no surface. No, no, I've got to find him two weeks' wages, two weeks' wages. And I just went once again, getting undermined again. Mm. Undermined, and I'm just saying, wow. And then Derek got the Derek got the union in. Derek says, well, I've got the... Now, I was on Derek's side, but I wasn't really getting involved. I still had my job, you know. I was I was always be grateful to Rod for giving me that job, and you still have to manage up, and you still have to have that working relationship, but sometimes you have to dig your heels in. And... Uh, and that's when it sort of took off and they, they stuck to the task and found Derek two weeks' wages and he got the union in and all that stuff. And you went, oh, dearie, dearie me. But that was a great year. And the thing about it was, even through all that stuff, we got into Europe, we got fourth. We got into Europe. And it was the first time into Europe for a long, long time. Um, so it, it was a right good game. We played right good football, as you say, scoring goals right on the front foot, uh, attacking. But the thing about it, as I say to you, when I was at Falkirk, we were on a budget. Never spent uh, out of budget. That didn't happen. It had Rod's control the purse strings. And you had to go to him, this is what I'm looking to do. What? And he come up to me once and says, uh, I can remember him saying once, you, you didn't go down uh, England as much. I says, well, if I got money or if I know, when we were going down for Casper Smichael, I knew I had 800 quid in my pocket. And I says, he says to Pierce, take it or leave it. He says, oh, money's irrelevant. Tell me what I mean. He needs to play. Casper. Uh, but we showed, and all that stuff. So just one hang after another. And then we started the next again year. We played Maribor in, uh, in Europe. They were too good for us. They were too good for us. We... Uh, the, the game the, the game was done and dusted over there. We gave them a game at the second half. You know, after that game, I think four of the players, I think two of the players went to Juventus. Mm. One of them was playing with Atalanta. You know the big lefty? Atalanta was scoring all the goals. He, they, yeah. they were right, I forget his name. Chipper, Chipper knows all the names. Uh and four of them, they were too good for us. And then we played Rangers, we played Celtic, and we eight, eight uh, games in. The big soul never come back for pre-season. He'd come back late. That was a problem, all that stuff. 
uh, and then before you know it, you're eight games in, and it was it wasn't gone too great. But you're saying right, we'll, we'll kick on, and you had great belief in what we were doing and the work we were doing. Uh, and then right before the last day of the windows, we sold Stokesy. Stokesy got sold right now. I knew the deal was done a month before because it's a football. We're, we're, we're all in there. And it got left right to the last day of the window. Sold Stokes, I think it was for 1.2 to Celtic. Stokes, he knew about it. I knew about it. I was never going to stand in his way. I've no time to go and get a replacement. We had a, tri a trialist guy there that was on trialist for a week. He says, well, we may as well sign him for numbers, uh, which he probably wouldn't have done. And then that was it. You're sort of saying, oh, geez, oh. And you just, your intuition tells you there's something not right here. And then uh, once, once the grumbling start, bits and pieces, then your time's up. What I says to you right at the beginning, I knew what I was going into with, with Mixu and John Collins and all the other managers that only lasted a year. Frank Sosie, 69 days. You know, you're sort of saying... And it was disappointing. It was really frustrating and disappointing because, as you say, if you're being a, a local boy, hip supporter local captain of the club, uh, you felt, and you know, you felt you would just get that wee bit more time uh, to do it. And then once it starts, Scott, you know, all the reporters, you know, I'll watch all the sky and all that and all that stuff. And they're quick to tell you what managers, jobs are under pressure. And, all that. and once it starts, it's like a snowball effect. Yeah. And then you've got all the social media and all that. And I'm quite sure you know, all the directors and all these guys want to protect themselves. As soon as they start getting it, and then you're the one that goes, that's what we do in Scotland, it's a blame game. You know, uh, and then it was really disappointing and it hurt me. It really, really hurt me. I'm going to tell you something here. Mm. When it was happening, Rod says to me, you can stay on as manager, but your assistant manager has to go. So he didn't take the chipper. Mm. For some unknown reason, he doesn't take the chipper. Uh, and I've told Chipper that he says uh, he didn't take the chipper, but Chipper was n never one for sitting down and having coffee. He would just got on with his work and all that stuff. Uh, and I just said, No, no, if, if that's the case, I says, You know, we come as a pair and we'll go as a pair, and that was it. So I could have stayed there, but I wouldn't have been happy there. It was, and that was it. So my time at Hibs. Uh, was up, never got still to this day. Uh, it rankles with me. I never got the time that I think I deserved. Um, but that's part and parcel of football. You see what happens nowadays. I, you know, I just shake my head at it. And that was it. So I was just sort of coming away from it and saying, right, okay, right, let's go and take a break, take a breather, which I do. I do an awful lot too much. I enjoy life. Got a really enjoy life, you know. I look at football now and I see guys at football stab their mate in the back to get the job and do anything and they'll do it, they stay into football and and I go, wow, where's where's some and you see it and hear it. You're in the football fraternity, you know. I do a lot of the BBC stuff and radio, and you pick up all the vibes and you go, wow. And that's something that's something that I've always sort of uh, I can sleep at night. One thing I've always been as a character, I've always been true to myself. I've always been authentic. Always been authentic. Always been true to myself. Uh, always been uh, my guy. Never kidding on him, someone up north. 
going to a game and being the smartest guy in the room. No, 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 no. That's, that's, I think you get caught out doing that, you know. Um, and that, that's what I've done. So, as I say, when we were leaving Hibs, it was taking time out, see what comes up, keeping your eye on the trends of football. And then I think the next one was Livingston. Was it Livingston? Oh, yeah, you, were, uh, you went to Livy, but uh, I think you went February of 2010. I think it was, or yeah, I think it was 2010 or 2000. No, sorry, I think it was uh, 2012. I'm sure you went to Libby, so, and then you were there till the end of the season. Uh, what happened was it was John Collins, John, my mate, John, yeah, director uh, of football. Uh, John went in as director of football. Whenever we think so, he's got to take Yogi in because he's my mate now. When John was manager of Hibs and I was manager of Falkirk, after the game, John, you know, it, it was picking my brains. What are you doing? How did you do that? What are you doing? You know, all our stuff and all that stuff. Would you? Because you knew it was a proper football game. And even now, John says, I always look forward to playing Falkirk because it was total football. And that's that's the way we... we, we uh, there's no point in training and all that, you know, one or two touch and all that, and going into, going into a game on a Saturday, going as a coach, just play along. You know, you... You're doing that, you're a fraud. No, if you're doing that in training, by everybody to their own. So, although it was John's mate, uh, it was a, a case when he, when I went to speak to him, he says, listen, we've not got much money, you need to promote the kids, get all the kids, all that stuff, get the best out of them, uh, and it's total football. He said, total football, he says, that's why I've come, I says, that'll do me. So I went in there, uh, it was brilliant. A wee boy, the chairman was a boy called Gordon McDougall, Used to be in at Kildon Beef when Craig Levine was in. The year before Livingston won the league, and for some unknown reason, I don't know the reason, but they, they got denied the rightful place to go up. But all the players that were under contract, full-time contracts, you know the chairman paid it out of his own pocket. Gordon oh, yeah. Unbelievable. I think the club might have helped him, but he really made a massive debt in his own pocket just to just to keep to stick to the contracts that he promised that he had signed. The Kadizra says it's not don't and all the players were away elsewhere. He stuck to his guns. He was absolutely fantastic. He was he was up fixing, he was right up my street. He was Sunday he'd be driving the minibus for the kids, he'd be doing a hamper. Mam said, Oh, get my way to him and I'll do that. And the two of us were off the same block. And he was writing to the kids, and, and uh, it was brilliant. Uh, and it was total football, and it was we kept him in the league. Uh, young boy called one of the best technical players that I worked with, a young boy called Stephen Stephen Scoogle. Just a wee guy, wee number ten, all left foot, a wee sort of uh, John Collins type, you know, take it on the back foot. We had him. He eventually signed for Sheffield United. We had been there for a couple of seasons when Mark McNulty, McNulty ended up playing at Hampstead at Coventry and McNulty was up front and one or two other boys. But the whole thing was getting the kids through. John Collins went on holiday at the end of that season and I went and signed eight kids right out of school all full time. He said, that was my budget. He said, what have you done with the budget? He said, you signed a few for the first time. I said, no, I've signed eight kids. What? Says off 16-year-olds for the school, for the juveniles in Edinburgh. I got my skill and said, right, get me all the best ones, went along, signed them all. And we coached all them in the afternoon on that and we coached them. She go and watch these kids, these young kids play on a Sunday. Wow. Honestly, you were like, wow, popping it, popping it. They played Celtic once 
up at uh, Barrowfield, just a friendly. Dylan Easton, you know Dylan is playing at uh, yeah. Rafe Rover. Yeah. Dylan played. Big Cole Donaldson was in the team. It's at Falkirk now. They were all the young ones. There was another couple of young guys trying to hang. And Celtic, first five minutes, Celtic went 1 0 up. You could see you know, we were a wee bit nervous. And next day, wow, they took Celtic to the cleaners. Went 1 0, 2 1, 2 0. The game finished 2 0. Total football, brilliant. Everybody's on the high. But three months later, or it might have been longer than that, John was working with Ricky Sparese with Scotland. I think it was Scotland under 17s, 19s. So he was with the coach and he was coaching all the Scotland. John tells the story. All the Celtic boys that were in that Scotland team months and months later, they were talking to him and said, by the way, what about that Livingston team? They're the young boys. That's the biggest football doing I've ever had. And that's what we're all about, total football. Total football. And try and get the best out of them and creating an environment that they love just coming into. They just love coming into and the laughs that we used to have. But it was all total football and just simple things, Scotland. You're a footballer. Oh, if you if you kind of control it, you've been doing it since you're a baby. Just control it and pass it. But they're going to that pressure cooker of the game. No, just relax. And that's what you have to bring as a coach. It was brilliant. Really enjoyed my time in there. And then the chance come there to uh, Hartlepool to go down to Hartlepool. And it was when I said, nah, I'm not, I always wanted to try England. And I'm saying, nah, I'll get there eventually. That's not the right one. But the, the logistics suited me because I could, I, I was on a, a way way down the coast in Edinburgh. So I could get to, up and down Hartlepool two hours. You know, so I could get Tuesday after training, I could get up, get in the house, all that, and it suited me. Uh, didn't know what I was going into. I did not know I was, what I was going into. Um, it was, we'll put it this way, you were going into, when I went in, you had eight points out of 20 games. Eight points out of 20 games. And then the boy, the chief executive boy, the boy Ross Green, he was a ducker and a diver. And I went in there myself as a coach and I got very, very lucky because the guys that I inherited, guys like Richard Humphreys and Mickey Barn, Mickey Barn was a Hartlepool legend. He was the assistant manager. Uh, Richard Humphreys, you know Richie. Richie was there for years and they two were on the coaching staff and I just went, wow, thank God. You know what I mean? Uh, it was really good, but the thing about it was even when I went in and the, the window was, was open, we, they wouldn't sign any players. We had one guy on loan, you know, the big boy, Charlie Wikes. Yes. White, W-Y-K-E, Charlie, it was doing it. I think he's at Wigan now, Charlie. He was at Sunderland for a while. He was, he had, yeah. He just had a wee heart condition there. Mm-hmm. He was out for the game. Charlie, he was on loan from, I think it was Middlesbrough. And all they done is he's right, we'll just keep that going. That's all they done. And the only other thing that they've done is they, they sold the big boy, Stevie Howard, that used to play for Leicester City. Stevie was my centre-forward. They sold Stevie Howard to, I think it was Sheffield Wednesday. Without me knowing about it, I got a phone call saying, you don't know about this. That, that was the way you're saying, oh, here we go again. Say, right, OK, right, in we come. Let's create a siege mentality, everybody against us. I don't know what to do, nothing. I... And we just about pulled off. We just about kept him in the lead. We 
I looked at somebody, I'm no one to do numbers and all that stuff, but I was golfing with my wee mate who's into all that, and we're just talking football. And he was sort of saying about Hartlepool and just saying that about uh, the other ones, Dunfermline and things like that. And he, he, he says, uh, I was golfing with him one week, and the next week he says, here, have a look at that. He went through all the numbers and done all the percentages. Have a look at that. The percentages at Hartlepool was 140% better off in the previous uh, results. 140%. If any other business you're saying you can, you, you're struggling. To, you're struggling to beat that, and that's working with your hands tied. Because don't forget, in terms of recruitment, I was trying to get plenty in, but I was just hitting a dead end. Not, not, not. And that's selling your striker as well. Try to get the best out of them, uh, ducking and diving. And we just about turned it around 140% better off in the previous results. Uh, and I really took to it, doing the other fans took to me. Uh, and I'd, it wasn't a total football. I was just starting to drip feed it in. It was more, let's be hard to beat and let's break them. Um, and it was great. I really enjoyed it. It was a great experience. And at the end of the season, this is true, I'll tell you, I'm not telling any lies. End of the season, I say, right, that's us. I'm a way up. And I'm sitting in the house and the missus says to me, would you hang on? I say, no, there's something no right. Uh, two weeks uh, goes by, uh, the phone goes, that was the secretary. He's saying, hey, when are you coming back to work? I says, well, I'll come down a week before the players come back to get everything organised. That's what I've organised with the staff. We'll draw all the pre-season. No, 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 no. You've had your two weeks holiday, you have to come in and sign in. I said, but there's no one there. That was, that was, I just went, serious? This, I says, and I just said, I says, listen, I'm not prepared to do that. I've got to take my holiday. I've took my two weeks. I've got to take my other three weeks or whatever, as you don't have to pay me. And I'll come down and start that week. Next again, day, I got a phone call, relieved of your duties. The boy, uh, Russell, uh, Ross Green, wasn't, wasn't, wasn't great. I never, Never had a great working relationship with him. Wasn't a bad guy, but in terms of driving the club forward, you know what you want to do. And uh, and once again, we we trained doing an, uh, we were in the university grounds doing it, um, doing there, mm-hmm. just outside Hartlepool, uh, and at Durham, Durham. So you really and they wanted to help us. They were saying you can do this. You can bring your groomsmen in. You will give you this and all that. You know. And you're saying to yourself, only, only just, and the fans deserve it. The fans were really good. I enjoyed it, didn't I? Really enjoyed it. Even all the new, going to all the new grounds coming up and everybody hanging out here. Coming, and if you look at the teams who are in there, you're talking about Bournemouth, Coventry, Sheffield United. We beat Sheffield United at Sheffield United. Um, Bournemouth, there's a lot, a lot of good teams in there. And the numbers go... If I was in there and with that sort of ratio, we would have finished something like about 16th in the league and stayed in that Scot- in that English First Division. But it wasn't it to be. It, 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 and that was it. So once again, you're sort of saying, oh, well, right, that's another experience, right, back up the road. I don't know, we'll sit, sit tight and see, see what else comes up. Uh, and the next one was that, was up to Inverness. Yep, it was Inverness, uh, John, right after that. And uh, I'll ask you, would you say your spell at Inverness was your most successful in your managerial career? Because obviously you made the League Cup final, won a Scottish Cup, which we will come to. And then obviously you guided uh, Inverness to a third-place finish as well. But would you well, say that was your most successful spell as a manager? 
Uh, probably as we, we, what you're talking about in terms of uh, for success. Uh, it was I went up there. Uh, the, the story goes there was, there was a few in for it, and I got I got interviewed in Edinburgh from the chairman uh, Kenny Cameron. Uh, uh, and we got interviewed and then I got a phone call asking if I would go joint manager with who's the boy wait there I'll get to oh you'll have to excuse me I know it's alright <laughs> if he's listening remember Gordon Strachan signed the boy you had at Coventry played at Celtic he could play centre half right back midfield you're a right good footballer name escapes me name escapes me Curly hair he had. Um, oh, oh, name escapes me. He played at Celtic for a few seasons. They interviewed, they interviewed him as well, and they actually sort of tried to see they would be good as joint managers. I was humming and hawing, and the next game day, I got a phone call saying, "Now he doesn't fancy that. He sort of pulled it." He says, "So the job's yours if you fancy it." I says, "I'll be up in the morning." Went up, Terry, funny enough, Terry, Terry Butcher had just left for Hibs, him and Morris. So I went up. Uh, Duncan Shearer was there. Duncan Shearer was the uh, first team coach under, um, so he was there as he's uh, up there, take the range. And I got very, very lucky because there was a coach up there called Scott Kelleher, born and bred in Inverness. But when I was at Celtic as a player, he was a young player at Celtic. Um and I, I got to know him really well. So when I went up to Inverness, he was a coach of the kids. So he done all the academy stuff full time and then took all the, the reserve team. So he knew them all. And he had a great rapport with all the players. And really, he was one of these guys, a right good coach, top, top coach. But he was one of these guys that he could laugh at himself and the players could laugh at him. And it was a great go-between. So after about... You could see it after about a month. I sort of says, I'm going to move, switch it over. I'm going to put Duncan Shearer with the kids. Nothing against Duncan. Duncan's a great lad, really good boy. Uh, funny, funny, dry sense of humour, Duncan. Uh, and I'm taking Keller Har with me. And I took Keller with me and then Latapi. Latapi was in with us. So that was a three ball up there. Uh, brilliant. Latapi on terms of on the game. You're, you're watching the game, he's in your ear feeding your information, you need to change it, you're going to lose, you need to tighten it up for 10 minutes, all that stuff, just Kayla Harron doing all this stuff. Uh, and then it was just a case of getting down to business. When I first went up there, they were they were doing all right. I was just starting to drip feed my style of football. Terry was different, Terry was more long ball, get it in our opposition's hard. Richie Foran was the centre forward. Get up to Richie, he would hold it up, bring everybody into play. I sort of still went with that, but I was just drip feeding wee bits and pieces in. Um, and I think they were sitting about fourth in the league now. I think we finished about fifth or sixth at the end of that season. But that season, at the end of it, I says to them all, I says, if you come in, every one of you, if you come in, every one of you on your body weight, what I give you, going away. Every one of you is as a team. One of you is let to him, then that's the pre-season, or morning, afternoon. If you come back and you're fighting weight, ready to go, I says, it'll be the best pre-season you've ever had. Every one of them to a man come back. 
ripped. They were all ripped, ready to go. You know, we never done one double session pre-season. Oh, really? One. All we done was, once we started doing our work, it was just all ball work, all the stuff. Uh, a few, we put the work in. What, what we done was because, and this is the secret, Scott, a lot of clubs, Jim McLean used to do it up at Dundee United. You had to stay in a, a distance for Tanadice or Dundee. Everybody in Inverness stayed in Inverness, so there was nowhere else to go. So once we finished training in the morning, you would get looked after, get your lunch, and you'd go home for a sleep, and then we'd play a Highland League team. So that was your double session. Training in the morning, sleeping, eating, sleeping, playing at night. Never got one injury that season. One or two. Richie, uh, he sort of run the dressing room. He struggled with, initially, he'd done his shoulder, a bad one on his, his shoulder. And that he had real problems. And eventually his knee went a wee bit and he could never get himself back fit. But he always sort of governed the dressing room. And real good characters in there. And then I got lucky. I got lucky with a boy, Scott Kelleher. And he just... Instantly, he just went, I'm into everything that you're talking about. He says, I don't really know it all, he says, but I want to understand it, you know, in terms of creating overloads and right-backs playing as wingers and wingers playing as midfielders and rotations and all that stuff. We were into everything. So much so that we were that far down the line at Inverness because all we'd done was wet and worked. That's all we'd done, worked, 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 coached, coached, coached. And I got lucky, I says to him in the first couple of weeks, I says, oh, the first week, he says, what have you, he says, I think I've got a few in the, in the kids. I says, train them in the afternoon so I can go and see them. I trained with the first team, he was with us, went back, kids train in the afternoon. One shin, shining star, Christy, Ryan Christy, I says, who's that? He says, that's Charlie's boy, Ryan Christy, I says, he's with me. And another, uh, Liam Polworth and all that, all these guys, they, they're with me. Because instantly, I like that, just, you just see something, that technique, boom, passing the ball, how you pass the ball, there you go. He's with me, he's with me. So I've got about two or three of them for the kids, Christy being one of them, Polworth, all these, and they were up with the first team. And I had guys like Richie, Shinny, uh, big boy Garen Warren at the back, remind me of myself, heart on his sleeve, great leader of a man, you know, wanted to go, but wanted, loved the fight, loved the physical presence, and then just went, when I sort of said, no, listen, you don't, what I sort of learned, it's not always a fight. You can play around about people. You don't even have to. He was, he was like a sponge. What? 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 He was like, give me a bit of that. Real good pros up there. Uh, good chairman. The chairman used to say, listen, I don't know too much about football. I enjoy it. That's why I trust you, your expertise. But it's like everything else. It's, you never see anybody until you get success. That was the same at Falkirk. So you've never seen anybody. It was a board meeting was once every three months. See, so once you start getting success, it's a board meeting every two weeks. And then there's guy, people sitting in a board meeting and you're going, I've never, never seen everybody wants to. And when we were up at Inverness, it was a board meeting it was after training, up the stairs, me and the chairman, somebody else, a sandwich or a pie, cup of coffee, once we get started getting success, then the board meetings were more. No, you had to go. The chairman controlled everything. Weekend, it was different class. Absolutely. And the board were brilliant up there. The only thing that I really done was, I had Shinny, I had Christy, was I signed a boy called Greg Tansy. It used to be at Inverness about three or four or five years before that. And I always knew from my folk days, he was a real 
footballer, great range of passing. So when I went back in, I see I'm, I'm wanting the boys dance. He was got it was between us and Partick Thistle, and he, he come back and I just said, I just as soon as I talk to him and start talking football, say, listen, you're the guy that has to get going for me. My quarterback, his range of passing, ball striking, all over the place. The exact same as I had with the wee boy McBride that. Uh, at Falkirk and she's you come that was it and that was really the only one that was really sort of we really signed and it was right duty work real hard work and then as I say that second season no pre-season no double sessions total football really in the close season all football 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 all the stuff I'm talking about right let's go let's get the season off to a great start and I think the second game in the season we beat Celtic up right there we beat them 1-0 uh, up there, uh, that gave us a lift, uh, right? If we can do that, and you're right on the back of it as a coach, as a manager, you're saying, well, you know, Celtic's favourite to win it. I mean, if you can, if we can give him a game, you know, and you know, and all that stuff, and some of the football, and you just see, you just see the confidence and momentum. You're saying, well, I'm not going to stop that. I'm going to keep just through the experience, Scott, as well. Like, even my time at Hibs. I seen all that confidence, momentum, and it was like, you know, it was going. And now I seen it, you seen it coming to a, to a stop. And you're looking back and looking at the reasons and bits and pieces and all that. And you're saying, right, oh, keep this going, keep this going. And to be fair to the boys, the boys were absolutely different class. They were different class. They, uh, and as you say, the success, League Cup final uh, at Parquet, Aberdeen beat us in uh, penalties. Wasn't it a great cup final? We were better in that. That gave us a taste for it. And then the next again, year, that's when we were at it. We were really at it. Um, and it was brilliant. To get to, to do what we're doing, uh, Scottish Cup final, we're a provincial club, real provincial club. Never spent any money or anything like that, you know. Real provincial club. Um, to do what we did. Scottish Cup final, third in the league. Um and you got manager of the year as well that season, I'm sure. Manager of the year. Even way back at my Falkirk, I got uh, first division manager of the year. I think it was 204. First division manager of the year, which, but that's all due to the players. But to get that, I, I swept the boards, actually. I got the manager of the year, sports writers, all that stuff. Uh, but we were good. We were good. And we were good value. I can remember playing Motherwell. And we beat Motherwell at Motherwell. And Mark McGee... Was the only one that really managers don't really give compliments. He was he he come out in the newspaper and says after it, he says, listen, he says when you play in Vanessa, it's like playing Celtic. He says the positions rotate that much. They're up and doing the pass the ball. He says if you're not organised, he says in a real solid shape. He says you'll get a doing. He says it worked out at Falkirk. It worked out at Inverness, won it. He says, he says, but it's like playing Celtic. And you sort of say to yourself, that's, um, you know, that's good. And that's real forgetting for a fellow manager that you've just beat to say things like that. We were a right good team. Don't forget, Graham Shinney never played in midfield for me. Graham Shinney was left back, left midfield, left winger, all in one. Aye, that's right, yeah. Honestly, we used to play him left back. You see, the left side, all yours. What that allowed, that allowed Doran to say, well, if he's coming, I'm getting out of the way. Doran used to walk away in midfield. The two midfields used to, and we just used to pop it and create. And Shinny was all that. And so, and then when Shinny was away, David Raven, he would just swing around. So, and it would just swing around that, and it would be like a back three. 
we were so far down the line that even we were trying to be really no smart but innovative. And all we'd done up there was football. We were there. We were there, honestly. Finished training back out, training again, training the kids, sitting there talking football, talking tactics. And oh, we were right down to this. Right, what happens if I'm beating you 2 nothing and you're playing a 4-4-2 and I've given you a doing 2 nothing. So you're the manager of the opposition. So you're going at half-time. If you're worth your soul, what would you what would you be doing? Mm. You see, man, I'd be saying, right, right, this is how they're beating us. I'm going to change the shape. Right, okay, so you've changed your shape because I'm beating you 2-0. But what if I'm coming out and I've changed my shape to something different? And that's that's where we were. Honestly, so maybe I'm beating that team who's playing a 4 4 2, I'm a 4 3 3, and I'm, I've got it, it's working for me. So he's changed it to, and I've come out and went something different. So you're second. That's where we were. Even right down to 10 men. We used to train it a couple of times before, down to 10 men. We used to go three at the back, three in midfield, and three up front, two winners and a striker. And that sitting midfielder could drop in, play centre half, or he could play in there. And we would leave, if they were coming down that side, that would go over and we'd leave the furthest one. And all these boys were wide open and receptive to it. They loved it. Absolutely loved it. And when you're getting results and getting success, it makes the job easier. It yeah. makes the job easier. I was just going to ask John, see, going into the semi final against Celtic, what was the game plan going into that game? Don't, don't let them get started. Don't let them get started. The boy Marley Watkins is a freaky nature. Marley Watkins, the reason I say that is because Marley Watkins. That pre-season I was doing, he was lapping people, he, he, honestly. And he could still sprint in the 90th minute as quick as he could in the first minute. He was unbelievable. Marley Watkins. Uh, and we had just lost Bully Mackay up at Inverness. We sold Bully Mackay down to Wigan. So Marley was then playing in a more forward position. Him and Big Edward Fury, Big Edward Fury, uh, And it was uh, Van Dyke and Denier. And if don't let them get started, you make sure they two they know they're in a fight and a fight. Don't let them get started. But also, it was a sort of pitch within a pitch, and I think it was Griffiths and Cadetti up front. I had Gary Warren and Josh Meekins at two, and I loved to go and head the ball. So we forced them to kick it, and the wingers were on the half and half. So every time they kicked it, we headed it nine times out of ten. We were getting on the seconds, and it was a big pitch go and play. Uh, but didn't they fear them? Let's go and take them on. We carried a lot of luck, to be fair, because Josh Meekins, if you look at it now, he handballed it on the line and it was ascending off. So that, and then uh, Craig Gordon got sent off, but that was something that we worked on the training pitch. We, sort of, we always left maybe two or three up the pitch, corners against, uh, and we sort of said, right, well, it's a game of bluff. In that game, Marley was half and half, and when it come in, it got headed out, and then Marley gets on the run. There's no catching him. Trust me, there's no catching him. He's got this just, he can go and he gets quicker and quicker and quicker. I remember we played Hearts in the semi final of the League Cup that year. Aberdeen beat us in the final of the Cup. And I, Gary Warren got sent off. And I think Josh Meekins got sent off. We were doing the nine men. Hearts were beating us one minute with one nil with five minutes to go. Nick Ross scored to make it one all. So we still had nine men. Marley Watkins was like Maida. He, he could do, he could, he, he was that 
He could do two positions, saying he just positioned them half and half. He could get forward, he could get back. And we went on to beat Hearts in penalties to get to the cup final. So, and it was all it was all that stuff. So he was positioned when I got hit. He was just he was off, no catching him. Craig Gordon clipped him, brought him down, and then the rest is history. But if you were paying attention, what I was talking about in terms of my Falkirk team, also it was my philosophy and what I was trying to put in Inverness. The boys loved it. You know, it was they couldn't have got enough of it. Always fullbacks playing as wingers, and yeah. if you look at the wing and go, my fullback Shinny is cut it right across the box to my other fullback David Raven. It's coming on the back post to put it in in the winner, and you're sort of saying, "Oh, that's right off the training pitch." That gives you great uh, satisfaction, and the word I kept we're using there is implementing all the work that we were doing on the training pitch. Uh, it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. Great. Uh, and you, you get the chance to do something that you know when you're with old firm that open top boss you know coming back obviously after the game you're, there was a drug test and that takes about a, an hour so we're having a few beers it turns out we're celebrating on the bus we're stopping every half hour up we stop at perfect the time they get up to Inverness you know it's about a four hour all the cars all the way so the party was basically on the bus going back to Inverness they had they done us great they had the wee uh, disco and all that for all the family and all that but you know all the young boys who want to get in the tune but the next again day they come back they gave us our full breakfast all the family all the guests open top bus right through the city centre stopped off at one of the big parks live band we were up within in a couple of hours and it's even memories that you look back and you go, wow. Even now, you look back and you sort of say, that should never happen. It was only 22 years that they were, the amalgamation started, or something, something 20 odd years, and you sort of say, that should never happen. So it'd be there and be part of it. And somebody saying, oh, well, you, you get lucky. Well, it wasn't a luck. If you look at our time up there, you know, you're talking about League Cup final, Scottish Cup final, third uh in the, in the SPL, it doesn't lie, and playing some great football. Because playing some great football. I used to laugh every time we played Aberdeen. I think we were we had Derek's number. You know, we, we used to give him a right good football game. Uh, and other teams as well. You know, other teams as well. So much so that Aberdeen, towards the end, uh, Aberdeen signed a lot of the players. They signed Shinney, Christie, uh, Tansy went, ended up there. Uh, my old story ended up there. There was there was a lot of the players that I had at Inverness, and right so when you see a good player, you're up again. That's what I do. You go take his name, give me a note, and you do your your background uh, character on him. But it was brilliant. I absolutely loved it. Loved it. But then all the players were leaving. Christie uh, he he moved on to Celtic. Uh, Shinney moved on to Aberdeen, and I'm sort of saying to myself, it was two and a half years. If I took it as far as I could. And then uh, I had a left centre half lined up in terms of Paul, uh, Peter Hartley that I worked with down in Hartlepool. Yeah. So I had him lined up and what I was going to try and do, Josh Meekins, because he had great legs, I was just trying to knock it the other way. And so it was Meekins that was going lynching, but up the right-hand side, Gary Warren and him could play in there. And I was just looking for, uh, it would be Tremarco, it would just sort of swing around that way. 
it was all in place, all that stuff. But the ones that sort of, uh, because the budget was the budget, so you had to duck and dive. Uh, it was uh, Richie and David Raven. Now, David Raven is one of the best pros I worked with, David. He was really, really good, David. But it was at an age when I'm sort of saying, well, if Josh Meekins goes in there, that was it. And that, that's part of parcel of football with these decisions. Nothing personal or anything like that. So, and Richie had never really played. But Richie should have went on the coaching staff. But Richie thought he could still get back and make it and uh, come back pre-season. But he was really hampered with that knee. And I sort of say, that's the way I'm sort of trying to do it. And the chairman sort of said, no, 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 we won't end. They've been good servants to the club. I said, I'm not arguing with that. I said, but everything has to evolve. And one thing led to the other. Um, and I just said, and I was sort of saying, humming and hoing. I just said, maybe, maybe my time's up here. Yeah. Maybe my time's up get back down the road. Uh, and I'll tell you one thing, Scott, you would think I was, uh, the chairman had to actually come and say to me, you need to get back down and see your family. Even if we played down at Tynecastle or Easter Road, and I, my house was five minutes for Easter Road, mm -hmm. I would get back on the bus in Vanessa and go back up to Inverness with the boys because I wanted the boys to see. Listen, I'm a manager in Vanessa. This is um, that's my commitment. So there was no excuses. But brilliant, brilliant. These guys are even are talking about Richie never played too much, but he controlled that dressing room, demanded of them. You know, sometimes you could just say, Richie, go take care of that. But he should, he should have come onto the coaching staff, Richie, before he got the job, you know, and learned the ropes a little bit. Uh, but brilliant, brilliant. Great, uh, Kenny Cameron, the boys up there, loved it. Re and great place to stay. Absolutely. I stayed, I stayed in, uh, over in the Black Isle. So when you come into Inverness, you go over the bridge. So more up Ross, Con Ross County way. And I stayed in a wee place called, called Fort Rose Rose Market, just a wee village. Oh, they loved it. Absolutely loved it. My, uh, unbelievable. I used to cycle into work 20 miles in, 20 miles fit as a fiddle, cycling in three or four times a week. You know, getting in there, training all day, just talking football, cycling here. You know, absolutely not falling asleep, back up in the morning, away you go again. And it was not everybody thinks everything's glamorous and you know, glamorous all the way in the Scottish Cup and it was glamorous. When I was telling John Collins that, because he was in at Celtic at the time, you know, we would get on the bus half past eight, nine o'clock in the morning. Everybody would bring pillows and sleeping bags. They would all sleep in the aisles or on the seats of the bus. We would get down towards uh, Perth and around that way, Falkirk area, go for a pre-match meal, 12 o'clock, pre-match meal, go play the game, do the business, Stop off on the way up, couple of beers, fist supper, and away back up to Inverness. That was, I mean, no, no overnight stays, no, no, no. And it was like a siege mentality don't give them too much. If you get it every now and then, you would get it, but it was like a siege mentality that no matter what, uh, we've got something to prove. I really enjoyed it, really enjoyed it. Uh, and I got lucky with a lot of the players, as I say. The, Ryan Christie, once you got in the first team, you couldn't get him out. Yeah. Couldn't get him out. You just went, oh, what a talented footballer this boy is. This boy is unbelievable. All the no-look passes, you know, even Latapu, oh, wow. Wow. You know, we nutmegs, we give and goes round the corners. And that says to John, see, I've got a young boy up here. 
up at uh, Celtic, keep your eye on them. And then always kept Ryan updated. I think Celtic, Celtic, you need to keep doing the business. So it was a win, 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 win. The club got good money for him. Everybody, you don't know, standing in his way. You're trying to help the guy along and all that stuff. And it's once again, it's great to see him going from strength to strength and playing his football in an English Premiership. I gave him his debut, same as Arfield, same as Witherspoon at Hibs. No qualms whatsoever, says young boys, get them in. Get them in. They'll never let you do it. But you, you have to nurse them. They have to be gone into an environment where the senior players are looking after them. You know, and then it's in and out, in and out, in and out. A bit brilliant. Absolutely loved it. Uh, regret it. I, re- I should have stayed for a wee bit longer up there. I really yeah. do. I regret, I regret it. He's almost like you I think it was in uh, 2017 you went to Rafe Rovers. And I remember at the time, John, right? When that you went to Rafe, I was like, how's no other club in the SPFL picking John Hughes up? Because you had just won a Scottish Cup like, the season prior, just won the Scottish Cup. And I was like, how's no one picking John Hughes up here? Because you've got the CV that, you, that you've that you got is brilliant. And I'm not just saying that because I'm talking to you. So see, like before you went to Rafe Rovers, was there any other like jobs that um, like came up for you? I was I was trying to get done in England for a while. I got interviewed for uh, Sheffield United, Swindon. I've actually been in it, but I actually, when I was at Falkirk, I got interviewed for the Brighton job with Tony Bloom. Yeah. We met through a third party and all that, and it wasn't really an interview. It was a more how you do talking football, just through a third party as a friend. Uh, but it was, you could tell he was picking my brains, you know. Um, and I was trying to get down south, and then... The agent phoned and just says, listen, uh, Ruth Rovers are struggling. He says, can you go in and help them out? Just try and keep them up. And I says, I ain't bother. I've always had a great, I've never been sort of one of them that walks about thinking that you're, uh, you, you know, you're better than you are. And I've always had courage in my convictions. And if somebody's calling out for a hand, that's always been my character right through, no matter what in life. If you need a hand, I'll go and I neighbor, you came with me, you don't have to ask me twice. So I went in there. I should have done my research a little bit, nothing against the uh, Rafe Rovers. It's probably one of my biggest disappointments because it was a right good club, a right good club. But always fun when I went that way, everybody went that way. They hadn't won a game uh, since October. I went in in February. The window was closed. The goalkeepers were injured. And then uh, I had to eventually, uh, we got a goalkeeper, but we were no money, it wasn't brilliant. Um, we were, where we were training, we were training in a sports centre, we were training in a 70 by 50 AstroTurf 22 players. We were lucky there was another wee cages, you know, so we could put some players there, we could swing it around and that, but no excuses. So you're sort of saying to yourself, right, okay, uh, we just need to get on with it. And that's probably my biggest regret getting uh, relegated with Rafe Rovers because it, it was always a club that we me playing with Falkirk, we always tussled against Rafe Rovers uh, and always had a go against them uh, over the years. And it was, it's a club that, and they're good people, the Fifers. And I was desperate to try and do well and keep them up. And if you look at the percentages, what I told you about, what I told you about uh, Hartlepool. Out of them all, that's the only percentage that never went up. It's the only percentage. It was only 14 games, mate. 
I think we won five, drew, drew two and lost seven. And it was difficult. It really was difficult. Uh, uh, but we should have stayed up. Uh, yeah, we should have. We certainly should have. To make the playoffs, we should have uh, We should have took care of business in the playoffs. And that's one that even now still rankles with me. You know, because I know what it means to the supporters. I was I'm no blasé or anything like that about, about it. Uh, but it was a real difficult, real difficult. The window was closed. I even, uh, you're asking, you're asking sort of players to go back and go, I asked the goalkeeper to go back. But when you're asking me to go back because you need the money to go and dump and dive, the manager that you're speaking to is saying, well, Yogi, I've spent that money in my budget. Yeah, nobody's got to do you a favour. And I totally understand that's happened to me a few times. Yeah, I've said to other manager, I can't do it because that money I've already spent on another player and you're trying to spin the plates and all that stuff. Um, no, but just, and the thing about it was, it was, it was bizarre because even uh, even now, we Vaughn and we Lewis Vaughn, who's one of the top players there, for some unknown stupid reason, who's probably the, technically the best at the club and what I've talked about you, what I, catches my eye when I see these technical... He was on loan at Dumbarton, scoring goals for Dumbarton to keep Dumbarton in the league. And we go down yeah. and you go, and he used to come in and train with us. And I used to find him off his training pitch because he was all technique and whoa, and I'm what I'll kill you. And I'm saying, what a real bizarre uh, decision that was. And then the goalkeeper, remember we played, uh, we actually, I thought I was getting a Celtic goalkeeper on loan. And I'm saying that that will do us. I forget his name. It was the one that left footed. It was a number two or number three, and it fell down on the day of the game. Scott Bain? No, no. It was before him. It was the big foreign guy. Oh, he used to be at Dundee United. Uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, the name escapes me as well. But I know what you're talking about. It was at Dundee United, I'm sure. And I thought, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was, um, it was done. And we couldn't, and we were playing there United that night, and we never had a goalkeeper. It was as simple as that. Yeah. I what was the the Rafe Rovers dressing room, dressing room like? Because I remember, I think it might have been one of your last games where you've done a post match interview and you did not hold back on no, the ball whatsoever. No, what happened was, you'll see, funny enough, that interview, I never, I, I never dug at anybody individually, I would never do that. Yeah. I, actually, people used to say to me when I, these management meetings, why do you always talk your team up and your players up and all that? There was a wee, I felt there was a wee rift and a split in the dressing room and everybody wanted to play the blame game and all that stuff. Fair enough, that's the way it goes. Uh, but what happened was um, we were playing St. Martin towards, I think it was about third, fourth game, last game of the season, all set up to go and have a go. And what happened was, and what really got me, two of them were lined up to hit a free kick. And one of them went up and just before the other just went and hit one of the try to hit one of the knuckle balls, you know. And the goalkeeper got it, boom, threw it out. Five passes later, the ball was in in the back of the net. You know, these two players were still arguing with each other in the middle of the pitch. Oh, really? And that's what really, and you're sort of sitting to yourself, wow. And that's what really got me. But after the game, uh, 
I never had a go to a individual. I had a go in with collectively in terms of what it takes to be a winner and all that stuff. As a club, what you owe the club and all, all that stuff. Even even that, people think, I've had guys say to me, by the way, I use that as motivation. See that? He says, you can see your heart on your sleeve. You can see you were hurting. And I never dug anybody individually. Now, if you're going to do that, that gets done behind closed doors. Um, and it was just like that. And, the next again game, believe it or not, we were playing Air United and we got the goalkeeper sent off after five minutes. So we're down to 10 men. We still beat Air United 1-0. So anybody that goes, so it never, you know, it might have had an effect. That, listen, it was, you, you take full, listen, it's like Hartlepool. You take full res- responsibility. Uh, I was a manager, albeit for 14 games. You, I went in, I had the courage of my conviction. It never worked. The win percentage never went up. It never went down. Uh, and it was just one of them that you went, oh, well. Uh, I went back last year to do the radio. And I was about 45 minutes after the game. Everybody sort of, boom, man, we were still doing bits of radio finish. So you're going to the stadium. You go around the back, down the hill to get out the door to the car. And the chairman, old chairman, was walking up. Uh, and he went, oh, he says, I've always wanted to uh, bump into you. I've always wanted to give you a phone. He says, you got a right raw deal when you were here at Rafe Rovers. A right raw deal. So I went, fair enough, chairman. I said, but listen, I says, that's part and parcel of football. I'm, I'm absolutely delighted. Honestly, I absolutely. If, I ever, if there was one thing I ever could ever do in football, it was, it was, it was probably be to go back and pay the Rafe Rovers uh, fans back because once again no matter if there's a man and a dog you know there uh, I was never at the stadium never at the stadium at Rafe Rovers we trained at uh, I think it was, was it, I'll forget the name of the sports centre up in um, Glen Rofus we trained up there so you never run an office you were sitting in the canteen with the public and all that stuff it was like really bizarre so you didn't have to go back to this. Never in a board meeting. Never went back to the stadium. I was like, you know. And sometimes you need a hand as well. And most important is you need to try and recruit uh, when you get the chance to recruit. And the window was closed. Uh, but no, no regrets for taking a job or anything like that. My only regret is that we got relegated, and it's, it's, it was on my watch. Uh, but it's nice to see them back where they are, and hopefully, you know, they can get back into the Premier League. Yeah. Then obviously after the uh, Ray Rovers, uh, John, you went to Ross County, and I was going to ask as well: Did you get any stick from the uh, Inverness fans for you? Yeah, no, no, because I was up there in the COVID. Yeah, yeah, true. So, the, first, <laughs> uh, so you didn't see the fans. <laughs> the funny thing is, when I went to uh, Ross County, I stayed in Inverness and travelled up with Ross County, so it was vice versa. Uh, but I knew what I was doing, what I was going into. Uh, Obviously, uh, and that just shows you how Rafe Rover never worked to Ross County uh, bottom in the league. And uh, it was my job to try and keep them up. And we finished 10th, we done it. Uh, we finished 10th, we, did, we, we got better in the playoffs. Finished 10th. Uh, and that was as well in the window that the chairman uh, selling uh, Big Ross Stewart. Mm, yeah. And the, the we left back that went to Coventry, um, oh, his name's escapes me as well. Is it Josh? 
and you're sort of saying to yourself, well, but big Ross Stewart was a, a he, he was a, he was a number he was a, the main man up there. But the way it works out, and then once again, your chairman doesn't want to stand in his way, all that stuff and all that. So you say, right, okay, we'll get on with it. We brought in Jordan White, another big physical presence. Uh, and it was just doing the work. Once again, went in there, courage of my convictions. And went in, as I did at Hartlepool, went in there, went in there myself, worked with the, with the staff in there. Uh, Needed to pick it up, needed to bring the confidence up, the, 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 get the momentum going. And we've done it. We've done it. Uh, hard work. Yeah, really, sort of a lot of tough, you're up there yourself, a lot of tough, tough nights. Uh, try to create a siege mentality, want to create a fight with anybody try to bring that into the dressing room and I've got a great response for the dressing room for the players in the dressing room a really good good response for the players in the dressing room uh, and we've done the business uh, I took over for Stuart Kettlewell and once again bottom of the league the win percentage was 85% better off than uh, the, pre than the previous results so it just shows you but what, the reason I'm saying that is it never quite worked for me at Rafe Rovers where I wish it had. Yeah. I wish it had because I see it now and I see the Astro stuff and I see the stadium and all the players turn up and they get their breakfast and they go and train in the Astro stuff and then they're in a proper environment. Never quite had that. It's not an excuse for us. No, it's no, I'll take full responsibility. But surely somebody says, you're talking about 14 games with a window closed. But there again, up there, I went, I can remember going up there Christmas, Christmas, and I can remember eating a pot of noodle for my Christmas dinner. But that's part and parcel of football, not a hardship. You just want to get in there and get in back into football and all that stuff. And got a great response for, for, the, for the players up there. Really did. Uh, put a lot of trust in them. Um, and kept him up and really disappointed not to get the job before it was me. I knew the chairman was talking to Malky before I got it, you know, once again, everybody thinks, so oh, we can keep all that secret and all that. I know Malky and uh, Stephen Ferguson are big mates and all that stuff. Um, uh, you know, but and I knew that, but I sort of say, I think I've done enough to, to keep the job and try to, try to plan. But then, once again, about a month, three weeks out, you're trying to put things in place and you're not getting anywhere and you go, listen, I'm a man. I'm not the cleverest guy in the world, but see for common sense and being seen, things coming and that intuition, what you have, all your things that you need as a football manager, you go, oh, I, oh, I, oh, I, I can see things coming. Uh, and it wasn't to be so much. So even when I went to meet the chairman, I think it was three, four days after the season, I had my car parked. I didn't have to go back to my house. I was straight back home. I knew it. You know, you feel it. And it was. It would have been hard for the chairman, but it's like Rod Petrie and everybody else, when they're well within their rights, if they feel that they want to see the club take it a different direction, they're well within their rights to go and do that. And, uh, and that was it. Disappointment. But as I say, you know, great time up there, great success. Uh, still keep in touch with a lot of the boys. Uh, and it's funny things how football works out. You know, uh, Spittle, he had fell out with Stuart. So he was, he was sitting in the house when I went in, brought him back in. Scott, I'm going to have to let this dug out his thing. That's no problem. No, no problem, mate. <laughs>
Listen, yeah. I know I could, I could hear it. I brought him back in. Spittle was different class for me. It was different class for me. Uh, and just get the best out of them. The loans were, were very good. Got the best out of uh, Gardine and all that. And even then when we had to go to Murrowell, you know, um, going one out doing you're sort of saying yourself, we'll be all right here today. We were solid. We were, we were solid. Uh, broke big Donaldson, who was at the pitcher, broke hand back in. Yeah. Keith Watson, who, when he played, was a warrior, just had to look after him. Uh, and you sort of you say, and I enjoyed it. I, I really did enjoy it. Uh, the chairman was... Uh, the thing about it with the COVID, I never really got to know the chairman because of the COVID. It was more of a phone call, never really got to know him really well and all that stuff. Uh, and listen... I done what I had to do, go up there, keep them in, and it just shows you you're sort of saying Rafe Rovers, Ross County, one doesn't go for you, one goes for you. Hartlepool doesn't go for you, but courage of your convictions again. I've seen many a manager that would sit back and go, Whoa, it's what you say. Listen, I'm a Scottish Cup winner. I've, I'll I'll be picking my next club. <sighs> you get back in, you go for it. I'm telling you, no matter what. Every dressing room's the same. You go in there, the banter's the same, and the laughs are the same, no matter where you go. And I was, as I say, really disappointed. So once again, you're saying, wow, that's me again. Right, OK, back down. See if I can get this golf handicap sort of do it back down and back down to see the family. And that's been a great thing about it, Scott. I've, all the management meetings as well, I've all said, you know, they wish they'd put more time into their family. I've seen a lot of my family. I've seen a lot of the, the girls growing up and, very proud of that, you know, being about when the birthdays are here and things like that. I've missed a lot as well, mind. Um, you know, away up at Inverness for two and a half years and doing it at Hartlepool and all that. But brilliant. That's what football's great. It takes you all over the place. And you have to be open-minded to all that, uh, what it brings. Um, so as I say, Ross County, uh, really disappointed. Um, uh, I never got kept on. But it's the chair, chairman's, the chairman, I knew there was a chance of that, and it was the chairman's, I don't know, I don't uh, hold any grudges or anything, I was just back down and just, you take the disappointment and say, right, we'll see what else comes up. Yeah, and then obviously your last spell management, John, was with Fed on Fairman, <coughs> back at a time there. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Once again, back over to Fife, the Fifers are right, they're cut off for the same bit of wood as me, you know, Good sense of humour, funny, say it how they see it, and all that. I loved it. The best chairman I've had in Ross MacArthur. And I didn't know him. Because what happened was, uh, obviously, uh, he didn't do my interview. Because I think what happened is he he picked uh, the previous manager, it was Peter. And he was very loyal to his managers and he didn't want to pay uh, Peter. And I think it was Peter actually sort of says, listen, so he actually says to the recruitment guys, you know, directors, you go and uh, do the interview. So I got the interview. Uh, and then I got the phone call saying, uh, you've got the job. But then when I, when they say, got the job, go to Dunfermline, that's when the chairman, it was the chairman, that's when I met him. The chairman says, listen, I left it there. I'm delighted you got the job, blah, blah, blah. All this, do this, do that. Instantly, Scott, I'm not talking about I'm just talking about a proper chairman, a proper, proper that cares for his football club. Mm. 
how his football club uh, represented, uh, what it means to him, what it means to the community, and the values that he's got. Uh, you, you can see it. You, you come in for a coffee, chairman. No, how? Come on, come on, we'll get a coffee. No, I'm going down for a coffee with a groomsman. And he'll go away doing a tunnel and away under the stand and he'll sit and have a coffee with the groomsmen and the two groomsmen. And you sort of say to yourself, you would get, we got beat once 5-0 for Morton. And they phoned me that night, he says, oh, was I say, it wasn't as bad as you think, chairman, bits and pieces. He says, would you, do you mind coming in in the morning? And I says, no, no problem. I went, oof. This could be this could be a wee bit awkward. Can I mean went in the morning, met him at the stadium, got the kettle on, sit down. First thing, what can I do for you? What, what needs done? What can I do for you on a Sunday morning? You're saying this guy's integrity for his football. And don't forget, no Celtic Rangers or eh? Dunfermline for his club. He was there for I don't know 14 years. I think he put a, a lot of his own money in. I think a lot he lost a lot of his own money. And, he, and it just rubbed off on you, the passion and the love he had for his club. And the COVID, we trained at um, Aloha. So the players would just go straight to Aloha, out the cars, train, back in the cars away. As the COVID went on, then they started to use the showers kind of as, as the rules. Uh, it was at every sort of friendly match, every game, absolutely brilliant. Um, and once again, we played some great football at Dunfermline, really. I can remember some of the results. I can remember fans coming up to me saying, that's the best football I've seen at this club for 20 years. But you get relegated, so it's soon forgotten about. But let me tell you, what do you think that 1% is at Dunfermline? Definitely 130% better than the previous results. So much so, if you work it out, I would have seen if I was there at the start of the season, I would have finished fifth. And that was 0.2. We had 0.2% just under Inverness, who finished fourth. And my time there, who made the playoffs. And I've sort of said, so mine's where I finished fifth. And I'm saying, no, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have finished fifth. No disrespect, because one or two of the players that were there wouldn't have been. Can what I mean? That's the way football goes and all that. So 100 and, and yet you get relegated and everybody goes the same as Rafe Rovers and the same as that. Oh, oh, you're to blame. Can what I mean? You're to blame, you're to blame. And yet you, you do it at Ross County, you didn't get the job. You say, I can't win here. What am I doing? Have I walked under somebody's ladder? And it's partly parcelly. It's partly parcelly management, honestly. And that was it. And then the chairman says to me, he says, just to give you, he says, uh, I'm leaving at the end of the season. He says, because I think he, a couple of fans, uh, I think he got his car scratched and a couple of fans had to go to him. Uh, and I had a great relationship. And then I got the chance to the window. So I said to the chairman, chairman, window, he says, well, no money. He says, you're going to have to duck and die. That's when I'm at my best. Beg, glory, steal, see what's going on. I said, but first and foremost, you need to generate money if you have no money. So I think I've got four or five loan boys in. I'm saying, so I'm phoning up and saying, listen, I need a favour. Can you take them back? Now, with the window that there, right, okay, I can take them back. I'm getting that money. He's gone back. I'm getting a player who's not getting a game, a foreign. He says, uh, uh, listen, I'll just cancel my call. So I'm wheeling and dealing to getting that. And I, I think I brought some right good players to the club. Joe Chalmers is still there now at the fans. 
sort of seen as the best footballer at the club. Once again, one of these talented footballers like uh, McBride at Falkirk and uh, Tanzia at Inverness at you know, no great pace, but could pass the ball, could take it anywhere, pop it, pass it, great range of passing and a great lad. Uh, and we really, we got big boy, we got goalkeeper, uh, big Jakob for Leicester. And I think we were improving it. I really did. Uh, some of the football we played was, I think we played twice in the same week on the BBC. I think we beat Partick 3-0 and I think we beat Ray Rovers 2-0. And the two of them were at uh, Dunfermline. And after Jurgen interviewed, I had daily BBC when I'm not working. So, and they're all, to be fair to them, all the pundits are saying, wow, that's proper football. Proper football. Uh, it was proper football. Uh, but once again, the chairman saying, I'm leaving at the end of the season and this and that. Uh, and something happened in terms of, obviously, the Germans were involved. I didn't got on great with the boy Thomas Megal. He was never there, wasn't he? Wasn't he for me? And I just felt he's no my cup of tea. This guy. I was trying to duck and die, spin the plates at Christmas time, get all the players in, which you have to do. And I got a message. I never listen. I was very professional. I would didn't follow up with Thomas, but everyone got put through Thomas, and I got a message. And Thomas saying, "Listen, nothing will get done, and the ends or else we foot my say so." I said, well, I can't work here, you know, it, it needs duck and dive. And then uh, I, I said to the chairman, I said, chairman said, leave that, I'll take care of that. And the chairman says to Thomas, I'm still the chairman of the club, this is when, when I'm it's on my watch, this is what's happening. And I think the chairman uh, you know, put a dent in his nose a little bit. And then the re- relationship with me and Thomas, sort of, it was more me and the chairman. And the chairman says to me, listen, if you're not staying up, he says, I can't see you lasting here. I said, if I'm not staying up and you're not here, he says, I'll not be here. And it just worked out like that. Once again in the playoffs, the playoffs, honestly, have been a bugbear of mine. We, uh, I need to let that cat out. Can you hear that cat? Yeah, yeah I can. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a cat's gone in, the It's got to be done, John. First the dog in the cat. Unbelievable. <laughs> The dog's name and mine, it's my daughter's here all the time. <laughs> and uh, the chairman says, um, the chairman warned me, he says, if you go down, Johnny, he says, I don't, but I still had another year to go. And I'm sort of saying, well, I don't really want you, I don't, I didn't fancy. Uh, and I went into a few meetings at the end of the season and you could feel the vibe. Scott, you know, experience tells you that. You can go and you can, you can go and you can be the joker. Uh, you know, to pick it up, you can, you, you know, you can talk total football and all that stuff, and how and you and you can pick it up, you can pick, you can pick it up within a minute, within a minute, and you're sort of a couple of meetings and all that, and then, but the chairman had retired, the chairman had retired, so well, I kept in touch with him. He says, "How was it going?" I said, "No, nah, I'm not getting a good vibe." He says, "What are you thinking, man? One thing after learning." I said, "No." Nah. I says, if it's not going to... And I just, I got the vibe, you know, and I just sort of says, nah, no for me, no for me. Uh, and I think about Thomas, no, 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 nothing against him. He's never there. He's, he's getting what I mean. I'm, I'm wanting a guy that's there, like that chairman. He's there every day, he's every phone call. What do you need done? He's driving the club forward. 
and then <coughs> that was it. And then the thing about it <coughs> is I still keep in touch with the chairman. You know, through all his experience and running the SPFL and all that and all that stuff and doing everything, you know they've not once phoned them up and asked them for advice or any kind of guidance whatsoever. That's baffling. That kind of experience, it's like, I, I can't even wrap my head around that. He would be, because he's done filming through and through, and he would be, and, and, and every time I speak to him, I say, well, you're only in the game. No, no, he says, I'm not, I'm not keen to go, just let them get on with it, because that's the kind of guy it is, it's their time, I've had my time and all that, and I keep saying to him, let's Chairman, can I ask you a question? Have you ever been asked any bit of advice, phoned up, any kind of consultation or anything like that? No. I said, serious? No. I said, well, I can't believe that. Can't Just through my experience of working with him and how he knows how it works. And, and I said, oh, I can't believe that. Can't be. and, and then he'll say, listen, because the gentleman, yes, listen, it's their time letting them go on with it and letting them go on with it. And it's sad to see where it is now. It really is sad to see. But between you and me, I think James, James McPake knew what he was going into. Mm, yeah. I think James is no James knows. I think James done his due diligence with me and, and people still being there. I think he knew he was going in what he was going into. And a great club. Sleeping giant. Absolute sleeping giant. Great club. Yeah. Great supporters. And I'm sort of saying to myself, if I could get this one going, you know, and if I just got the time and get this one going, this was the one. Because mm. I would want to stay there. I was wanting to stay there. I was wanting to be there, but you need you need to be you need to be in an environment. When I was at when I was at Falkirk, I worked with George Craig. George Craig was my chief executive. George was different class, absolutely different class. He was into it. Where's what he's up to? Come here, used to. I need to keep my eye on used to. What he's up to? Don't worry, George. And George would say to us, "You see, I'm getting phone calls for your club saying uh, other teams that you use are trying to uh, sign their players. Who?" Uh, the boys are only 15. Fine, that'll be under 15. You'll stick because George, if they're not doing it right, we're going to do it right. We're going to get into everything. Beg, borrow, steal. In terms of borrow, if you look at the loans, Smichaels, Tim Cruels, all the Arsenal boys, you know, uh, steal. I'll tell you the steal of it, the funny of it. We had a kit man who is now the kit man at no, I better not say. <laughs> and he used to say to the strikers, back in the day, it was a mitre ball and every team had their logo on it. Yeah. He used to say to the strikers, because the warm-up went for the, I bet you I get mere balls and you get goals. So we would turn up at training on a Monday morning and see if we were playing Motherwell or Aberdeen. He would roll out two Aberdeen balls. You know Aberdeen's? One with a crest on him. There's yeah. another two. That's two. And I'm up with all that stuff. But we're into everything. The Puma guy wouldn't come to us last because he had our attention to detail what we were wanting from. We're talking about, you know, the wee slit up the side of the shots. Aye. Yeah. That's Slip up the side of the shorts, we were wanting three uh, strips, we were wanting all the colours, we were wanting all the turn, the training kit, and I was just like, ah, see, you guys. He says, I go to all the clubs and do all the stuff. He says, you guys are unbelievable. We were into everything. Uh, and that was it. Uh, as I say in Dunfermline, uh, I look at it now, I'm still a big uh, Dunfermline supporter, still keeping touch with that chairman. He had a real sort of 
his love for the club a real sort of profound effect on me. Uh, and I wish him, all, I really do wish him all the best. I really do. I'm hoping that, obviously, with the Germans, with the chairman and all that, and certainly to the Germans, I'm hoping that we do what's best for, for Dunfermline and invest in it and give James a chance to get that club. Because uh, a manager, it takes that club back into the SPL. It's going to be, you know, got to be a legend status because that's definitely SPL status, that's for sure. And don't forget, the chairman, when I was there at my time, the chairman, they bought the the service, service men's club, Dunit Rosyth. Yes. It's a big, it's a big uh, and they bought that, and that already had changing facilities and pitches, but it needed total gutted. And that was his, that was his, he was got to do that and build the academy and AstroTurf and grass pitches and all that stuff there. And he was that. And I think they've started building the AstroTurf, but I don't think they went into the building. But the chairman, being the chairman, trust me, he calls up that many favours in Dunfermline. He would have had that getting done, that getting done, that would have been finished if he was still there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just wee things like that when you look and you go, it's sad because there's only one. There's only one team suffer. There's only one. Uh, there's only uh, people. That, the only people that suffer, sorry, is the supporters. It's the supporters that suffer. It's nobody else. Everybody runs football clubs and all that. But it's the supporters. And all these guys that buy the club will come and go and come and go. It'll be the supporters that'll keep going. They'll still be there for the next 20 years. Yeah. And uh, no no regrets whatsoever on Dunfermline. Great club. In fact, I wish I'd got there a couple of year, years earlier and worked with that chairman, worked with Ross MacArthur. And if I had so, um, well, the stats tell you 130%. I, we're have finished fifth, but once again, Scott, how do you get out of that? I'm no one of these guys. I know I'm doing it now and you'll say, well, you're a hypocrite because I'm doing it now because I'm talking to you and I've got a platform and you'll probably put it out there and people will look at it. I don't do the dance. You know, all the networking and all the dance and this and that and can I get tickets and make sure you're sitting in the boardroom and sitting in the... If I'm going to a football game, I'll be at the back of the stand. I don't do it and everybody says to me, you need to do it. If you want back in, you need to get your, your face shown. I, I, I don't do it and I'm sort of saying, and I don't know if it's old school upbringing, bit of pride, a bit of all that stuff. But going back and what you saying, Surely, if they're looking for a manager, they do their due diligence and they say, look at this guy's CV. Don't forget, I coached for the SFA as well for 10 years. So all these guys are getting jobs. I was their tutor, most of them. I was their tutor. I was coaching the B badge and the A badge. I was on that for 10 years, uh, coaching all these guys how to be coaches. Uh, And if anybody says to me now, what's the most important thing about being a coach? Uh, and all that stuff I think uh, and I've been on all these courses and listened to all these guys and I'm at an age now where I'll make my own mind up uh, and I'll no get knocked for it I think your imagination I think you have to have a real wild imagination listen within a structure you're not going to go and play one at the back you know what I mean but I think you have the real imagination for the game and you, you play the game out and, and that intuition that that common sense, intuition, where you go, I can see that coming. And also, 
your character to be in a dressing room where you just love it and you love being in that environment and you, you bounce with the players, you know, and the players are saying, well, they totally understand that you're in it with them. And I think that's when you get the best out of them. Yeah. Re regrets, only one, only only no two. Never got enough time at Hibs. It's still some some in it rankles with me now. I still even now, you know, I see managers come and go, come and go, come and go. I look at my CV and I go, you know, and new owners coming in. You're going, why no, why no? And you know, have I done something wrong? Have I pissed in somebody's chips or something? I don't know. Tell what I mean. Well, yeah. I, I don't know. And but there again, I say, well, if your face doesn't fit, might fear not. Plus, also the brandy football that my teams play. Don't forget, I left Hibs and went away and proved that I could be a successful manager and play a brand of football. Even at Ross County, I took my Ross County up there, up to East Road and battered them 2-0. Well, never battered them, but beat them 2-0. Mm. You know, when we were right under the cosh. And you're sort of looking at that. And then I sit back and go, well, if it's not for you and your face doesn't fit. And so, but then again, I say to myself, I don't do the dance. I don't do the dance, uh, I don't self-promote there again, I'm sitting doing this and you're sort of saying, and then I'm sort of saying, well, I'll get back in. Ah, 100% I'll get back in. 100% I'll get back in and when I get back in, if I get working with the right people and get the right tools, then I think I'll get success again. And if it's no success, it'll be a brandy football that, I think if you know your football and you're a supporter of a club and you know what you're watching, you'll go, wow, yeah. that, that's good stuff. I like watching that. I like watching that. And if it's no, I don't lose sleep. Honestly, I, I get on with life. I, I, I enjoy being Yogi Hughes. I, I do, honestly. Well, I wish we had more money and all that stuff and all that, but do we? You know, I'm up in the morning, I've got my health, I laugh, I love a laugh, I'm in a... I jump about with a bunch of boys, you know, and golf with a bunch of boys. That it's very enjoyable, and it's like a dressing room environment when you're doing there and you're in the middle of it, battering out all the banter and getting stick. I can laugh at myself. I don't take myself too serious. The only thing I do is people have said to me, "You can see the switch going." You know, when I'm laughing and joking and all that stuff and anything, anything in life, laughing and joking, everything's a laughing and joke. Always see the funniest. But I've had a lot of people saying you can see the switch going when it comes to football. When it's boom, it's like you, you, the glaze comes over and it's like we're business now. And that's what I do. If somebody says, ah, you're sort of saying I've talked about the, the, the even the disappointments, even the disappointments got a uh, getting relegated, it's all part and parcel. You have to take it on. I can only apologise to. To the teams that have got relegated, the Rafe Rovers and Hartlepool and um, Dunfermline, you know, I, I went in there, had the courage of my conviction, gave it my best shot. I can, all, I can only say Hartlepool, if I was in there at the start of the season and in a right good working environment with people that want to, then I think I would have done a right good job and it's probably the same with, with Rafe Rovers if I was in there for the start of the season. You know, but as I say, they never won again for October. I went in February. You know, the, 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 you know, America, I've not got a magic wand, but they're the ones that I regret. They're the ones that I regret, you know. Uh, and I've done, I've done the radio a few times at Rafe Rovers, and, you know, it's good that the, the, the one or two supporters you bump in. You get a few of them, but one or two bump in, they appreciate and they understand 
you were limited with, with, your, with your time and your, in terms of the games that you had to try and do it. Yeah. And that's it. Uh, regrets, uh, I could have been more selective in terms of, uh, you know, as you say, coming away from Inverness and so to say, I'll be more selective. But I had something to prove after the Hibs. If I'd, see, after the Hibs and losing my job at Hibs and getting fourth and getting them into Europe, I always felt I had something to prove. And I hadn't gone up to Inverness and got the two cup finals and getting them third in the league and playing a brand new football and young players making their debut. I've always sort of said, there you go, Hibs. That's what you, that's what you could have had if I had got longer there because Hibs were my team. And even now, with that CV, you sort of say to yourself, hello. But, but listen, if it's not going to be, it's not going to be. I don't, as I say, yeah, football's football. You're looking at Michael Wheel, 12 games and other ones. And you're looking at Jurgen Klopp, and I can totally understand that. It's Because when I'm in, winning... Uh, it's so cutthroat, uh, so cut throat, cut throat. Hey, football, John, as you know, it's just... Oh, it's- managers do not get any time nowadays. Like I think maybe 15, 20 years ago, maybe a bit more, but nowadays... Like football owners are just so quick to just pull the trigger, like they're trigger happy when it comes to if they just if a team go f- a, a bad run for three or four games, especially up in, in Glasgow, it's like, no, that's it, need to change your manager. And I, the thing about it, I've got a real, the thing about me, I've got a real obsessive uh, character. Like, I, I, well, I started, I went, hurt my back. And I went into the gym and started rehabbing my core, my back, and all that. Before you know it, two years later, I've went from 13 and a half stone to 16 stone, six days a week, six meals a day, thinking I've got to be a bodybuilder. Oh, this is brilliant, great. I'm way out there. And then I'm sort of saying to myself, you know, two and a half, three years later, I'm sort of saying, oh, I'm going to take the golf up again. And then I couldn't swing the club full of inflammation, right? I'm going on a diet, right? I'm going to get into all the mobility, get the golf, playing golf, practicing golf, thinking I'm going to be in the open. That's obsessive. And then the next thing, cycling, right? What do you have to do to cycling, right? Cycling, I'm getting my fit, right? But you get up the hills, it's weight ratio and all that stuff, and right? And before you know it, I'm away back doing a 13 and a half stone just for the cycling so I can fly up the hills and you can go on the pedals. Real obsessive. And it's the same with the football. When I go in, they deceive me. I'm 24-7. Where are you? I'm away watching the football. I'm away here. What are you doing 24-7? If I'm on the golf course when I'm football manager, I think I'm cheating. And that's just, I don't know what it is. It's just that mindset. I cannot for the life of me. And that's where sometimes when I'm no in it, I really, mate, I really enjoy uh, my time, enjoy my family, enjoy. I'm a granddad now in the weekends, one and a half, and she's you know, walking about and talking and all that stuff. And I enjoy it. I enjoy, enjoy my own company. I enjoy being away, doing myself, doing my own thing. I enjoy. But there again, it's the BBC. So well, you do co commentary, and, and that gets you back in and gets your juices flowing. And, and even now, I've sort of. Oh oh, low battery. Even even now, I've coming off the I'm coming off the uh, the golf a wee bit. Although we're coming into summer, and I'm getting back into the football, and I'm sort of saying to myself, and you know, and I've been in for a few jobs doing self and things like that, uh, and I'm saying to myself, someone will form my form my lap, someone will form my lap. But I'm like you, 
and even everybody, even players that I've worked with, talked to, even the Aberdeen one, Shinny's my captain at Inverness, I'm saying, Shinny, can you have a word? Can you go in? Ah, you'll be great up here. And you didn't even get an interview, you didn't even get a phone call. And you're saying to yourself, what do you have to do? I said, I remember reading that, I think it was last year, John, where I think you were, you were on BBC and you were talking about how you, you, I think you applied for the Aberdeen job and the Motherwell job and you didn't even get a reply. And you're like, this is a Scottish Cup winning manager here. And uh, get a reply, but, that's ridiculous. But Scott, that, that's, but I'm old school. I think you have to uh, conduct yourself. But listen, no society has moved on. I totally understand that. Uh, I think, or I want, I want that chairman that knows, I want that, but you're looking for a perfect storm and you'll never get it, or you're wanting that director of football, like John Collins at Livingston, where you say, listen, it's not, it's about playing the game, and the chairman at Livingston, playing the game in a proper manner, even if we get beat, so you've got that philosophy, I hear all managers going, oh, philosophy, we do this, and we play at the back, and you go and watch your team, because I do the BBC, and they'll roll it in a centre-half and he'll roll it in their centre-half and he'll take it his feet and kick it 60 yards forward. No, you need to play through the pods, play through the fords. That's total football. Uh, and that's one thing, no matter what, if another work in football, name to ever point the finger at me and say he wasn't a proper football coach. You you speak to any of my players, 95% of my players, 90% of my players will all tell you he's the best I've worked with. That's to talk to them. How are you know in football, Gaff? You're the best I've had. How are you know in football? Just the way you you see the game and you want the game to be played, and players just for some unknown reason you stimulate them, and once you stimulate them, you've got them. And then obviously you you take care of the person as well. You know you have to take care of the person because it's a person that could have all kinds of problems. And I'm one of them. At, you know, listen, I'm always here. My door's always here. To, to uh, talk to, you know, even right down to Aaron Dorans. Aaron Dorans, when the boys had a, a night out up there um, as a football manager, you know, I talked about the Derek Ryerton one, how you handle it and all that stuff. I never got the chance to handle that. It was taken in my hands. But Aaron Dorans are having a night out and there must have been a fracas and the police must have arrested him and put him in the back of a van and somebody must have took a photo and it went in the local paper. So when I'm in and on the Monday in the papers there and Dorans is in the back of the police van, you know, uh, and the papers on my desk and Scott Keller and the, my assistant and the first team coaching row, so how are you going to handle it? How are you going to handle it? And I said, I don't know. I says, wait till he's in. Kells, Kelleher goes through and sees him. He says, Dorans is like, how's the manager? He says, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. He says, but you better go and see him. So Dorans comes in and sees me and I've got the paper. I says, what's this? I says, tell me. He says, well, we're up and something happened. He says, nothing. He says, but the police, I got arrested. He says, I was being loud and all that stuff. He says, but nothing ain't happened. And I'm looking at the photo and I'm looking, he's got the most ridiculous clobber on I've ever seen. I says, by any chance, was it the fashion police? <laughs> you know what I mean? And it just totally diffused the whole situation. It totally diffused it. And he started laughing, I started laughing. All my staff, are, they were all laughing, right? And Doris just looked at me and just were like, ah, shoot his head. I said, listen, Ryan, forget it. We've all been there. We've all been there. Just got over your football. And you could see him just go, <sighs> if they say, this is the kind of manager I, I want, you know? And it was Doris that 
played a massive part in the Scottish Cup final where he went on that wee major run and toe poked it for his partner, Marley Watkins, to come in. And it's just a banter. I love it. I love it. I miss it. I miss it. Uh, and I've got to tell you something now, Scott, I've still got another 10 years in me. Yeah. But I no, I, you definitely do, John. You definitely do. Like, yeah, because obviously got, you're, still in the, like, you're still in the prime of your career as well. Right. Yeah. And I'm like you, I'm baffled as well. I'm like you as well. As you say, you're not even getting a sniff. No disrespect or to any of the clubs or any managers or any young coaches, everybody. But I'm all for young coaches getting a chance. But you're saying to yourself, Oh, come on. Even an interview. Even an interview. Okay, well, if I sit down and get an interview and it's getting done right, and the way I'm talking to you, surely in the interview process, he would be saying, tell me how you done that. Well, this is how I've done that. If I'm telling him how I'm doing it and going into more into detail and all that, surely if I was in an interviewee, I'd be saying to myself, I'm wanting that at my club. I'm yeah. wanting that at my club. But you never get a chance. Even a director's role of football. The director's role of football at Hibs. Hibs were struggling at the time. They say, uh, we're looking for a Scottish guy. It's been in the Scottish game. This, that, next time. It's Scottish. Good recruitment. And I went, oh, I tickled the boxes. Made a few phone calls. Put the CV in. Never heard anything from them for two and a half months. The results picked up. And then I was doing a podcast or something and I says about the Aberdeen Murrowell, how disappointing it is not to get a, a, an interview. You know, it's just cut, common courtesy or a reply. And I says it about Hibs. Next again, day, I've got a two-line email saying you've not made the interview process, thanks very much. And I went, all right, okay, fair enough. I said, now hold it one minute here. Born bred leafer, captain the club, managed the club, right? Done no bad. Maybe that deserves a phone call. Yeah. Right. I'm I'm they'll be inundated, but I don't think they'll have what I've just says. You know what I mean? And then there again you go, ah, oh, well, fair enough. That, that's the way it goes. Um that's the way the cookie crumbles. And once again, I'll still be here in the next 20 years watching hubs, you know, when when the, the, that's come and gone. And there again you look at it and you go, you look at it and you say, even in the hips, we all the managers, you know, five, six managers. And you go, why not I sit down and have a, have a chat? Yeah. I know. It's, I just, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, I just can't get my head around it because also, as like, as you were saying there, your first spell at Hibs done well the first season. Then, obviously, in the second season, what was it? Um, you were saying it was uh, Stokes. That got Stokes. Stokes, yeah, so he left on de a deadline day and you didn't have time to get a replacement in. So it was like obstacles like that that you had to deal with. Oh, I definitely, definitely. But once again, I'll always be, to be the manager of Hibs, I'll always be, uh, you know, uh, indebted to, to Rod Peter for giving me that job. He could have went elsewhere, you know. But definitely, that's one that hurts me, that one in Rafe Rovers. That's definitely, and obviously Dunfermline. Uh, you know, so it's, but then when my mate showed me that, or he says, have a look at that. 140% of Hartlepool better than the previous results. Working it out, you would have finished 16th in the league. Dunfermline, 130%. You would have finished 5th in the league. Uh, Ross County, 85%. You finished 10th in the league. You kept them up. The only one that never moved is Rafe Rovers. That's on the back of Hibs, Inverness, and you're sort of saying to yourself, 
if you can really put that together, that's your, you're not really had any failures, but you, again, you get left carrying the baby. That's it. Courage of your convictions, you know what I mean? Courage of your convictions. You need to take responsibility. That's one thing I've never, ever done as a player, as a coach, as a manager. Shied away for responsibility. And plus as well, John, I'll say this as well, like we need more characters like yourself in Scottish football because you're like one of the biggest characters in Scottish football and it's a, the fact that you've not got a managerial gig now, it's like the, game, the Scottish game's missing you. <laughs> they, they, they certainly are because we need big well, characters like yourself. Scott, I appreciate that because one thing about another thing that I've noticed through experiences after it, I'm too honest. I'm yeah. too honest after it. See, sometimes I'm watching all the managers and they shuffle around it, but they're clever. Uh, I think Michael Beale sometimes is too honest he's, and uh, speaks too much. I've got a habit. I love it. Once I get into football, I can't stop. Oh, it's brilliant, you know, and, and and that's it. But once again, I sit back and I go like that. Uh, but that, 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 that's life. That's football. Someone will come up for me, you know. I would love to go and try and uh, do in England or try abroad. Yeah. But I'm a Scots guy. I love Scottish. I love Scottish football. I love everything about it. I'm a Scottish guy. I want another go at Scotland. And uh, trust me, when I left Hibs, I went and, went and proved them wrong. Trust me, I'll prove them wrong again. If I get in and get the right chance, oh, that's just about closed. If I get in and get the right chance, I'll prove them wrong. No, but you need, to chance. On, yeah. you need the chance. Mm-hmm. That's it. And uh, just to finish off, John, just got a few more questions. Um, who is the best manager you've came up against? Oh, best manager, uh, football manager, uh, Tommy Burns. But I'd done that when I went to a player. It was like, wow, he had a real profound effect. Uh, Jim Jeffries and Bully Bruno will always be grateful the way they, what they taught me and the way they went about management and how they'd done it. But when I went to Celtic, it was like a different level. And the way Tommy Burns seen the game played, he was... A real profound, profound effect on me. And the, the angriest you've ever got with your team after a game? The angriest I've ever got? Funny enough, because I played, people's perception of John Shoes is all totally wrong. And that's something that you have to get on. If you speak to anybody on the coaching courses or all that, and as I say to you, when it comes to football, I'm really switched on. Okay, common sense and how the game's played and all that stuff. Uh, is there a place for anger in management? No, no. No, no. Many a time after a game, I'll not even go in. I'll just leave the boys. I'll see them Monday and you get them Monday. But there's a few times where I've... Uh, once when I was up at... was a manager of Falkirk. I was a manager of Falkirk up at Inverness and it wasn't going well. And I had a go at them. And I'm no one for flinging things or anything like that. Ah, it's, you know... When you're having a go at them, you have to be for a reason. I've asked you to do this, and you're not doing it. Why? You're away doing your own stuff. But collectively, it was really poor. And I was really angry. And I can remember there was, I kicked the table, and there was soup, a couple of cups of soup on the table, and the soup went all over the place. And some of it's on the ceiling, and oh, I just went, no, no. You need, you need to control your emotions. But there again, I think people think, can you win? You're a manager that stands like that, controlling your emotions. Everybody see when we're getting beat, he doesn't care. You're a manager that's out there and you're that. And uh, when you're getting, oh, look at him, he can't control his emotions. You can't win. You can't win. You just be yourself. As I say, you be yourself and you are what you are. 
be authentic. I never knock it. I never knock anybody for their style of football. I never knock myself. But one thing, as I say, I don't do the dance. I don't use the platforms. And I, a lot of people are saying to me, you should. You know why? Because you should have a lot to say because your CV stands up with anybody in Scotland. It stands up and don't. And, and when you look at it, you go, ah, I suppose it does. You know, three cup finals with provincial clubs and all that stuff. My chance will come again, Scott. It'll come again, and when it does, uh, hopefully, um, you know, I get success. Yeah. And uh, John, uh, just the last question. I, I, I don't have to speak to you with that maroon jumper on. <laughs> <laughs> you done that on purpose, didn't Actually, you? Actually, never, mate. <laughs> Actually, never, believe it or not. <laughs> um, this is the last question, right? So ask everyone that comes on the podcast. This one's quite a controversial one, and it's a very, a lot of people have big debates about it. Who is better, Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi? Messi. Messi. Aye. I'm, a, Aye. I'm a Ronaldo guy, so I'm... I can totally understand that. I can totally understand that, uh, Ronaldo. Um, but Messi, I'm a, I'm a Messi guy. I just think he, he's just natural talent. Uh, I think Ronaldo's got there through hard, hard work. I think Messi's got natural talent, but put the hard work on the back of it as well. Uh, no much between them. Absolutely fantastic. Um, but I'm a messy guy. I'm messy. Uh, John, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. And uh, honestly, I've, this is one of my favourite interviews I've ever done. I've fully enjoyed it. Like, I could sit and listen to you speak for hours on end, honestly. Well, see, Scott, see when we're in the football and the training run, it's finished. This is, what, this is what it's like. We're on a tactics board. I took when we were up in Vaness and eventually Russell left and Chipper come in. I would show and chipper. Honestly, my coffee table was a tactics board. Honestly, and I chipper, chipper, and he come down, come down his pajamas. What about this? See if he done this. What about this? What? I start laughing when I see things on social media. I'm not on social media. I'm on LinkedIn. On the hang I'm in, and uh, I see guys. Oh, brilliant! We, we train. We we train with small small balls, and you know we. we I was doing that way back in Falkirk, way back twenty year ago. We, we only rondo, then we were flinging a wee, wee tennis ball and wee balls and the rondo that and back into the big ones and all else. We, and, and I'm sort of saying, were we ahead of our time? Mm-hmm. And then uh, proofing the pudding. And some of it, proofing the pudding is some of the football we played at, at uh, Falkirk and the clubs I was at was unbelievable. And the players I signed, you know, I, when I go back to my Falkirk, one of the players I'm not talking about is Burton O'Brien. Remember Burton O'Brien played for St. Burn? Yes, I do. Jeez, I went down to watch him at Sheffield and I was in, the, in there for 20 minutes and I just seen him get a ball, had a 30 yard diagonal, diagonal pass. Right? I got up and went out, I said, he'll do me. He'll do me. And eventually I got him dumping and diving on the floor and all that. And I'll come and sign. I said, it's total football. And when they come to me, I'm not telling them lies. I've seen total footballers going to clubs that don't play their style of play, and I'm saying, why are you going there? You've not got a game, and that manager plays a different style. And I just think, you've gone about Ronaldo Messi, I just think nowadays, when you look at what's going on, I think Celtic and Rangers are way, way in front, but I watch a lot of English stuff. Man City, Brighton, Liverpool, you know, all these, and then over in Germany, you know, you're sort of seeing, wow, real top football. And, you know, I think, I think 
I'm that kind of football guy, and I'm, I want to bring it. I want to bring all that back into back into Scotland. And hopefully, I'll get the chance. Thank you very much for listening to the show. If you want to listen to more episodes of Scott Score, they are available on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Until next time, take care, and we'll see you soon.